three, two, one. Man, man, boy, boy, man. Yes. Yeah. Didn't uh, do that fine. one before. I love that. <laughs> Who said that, by the way? And and it was a Canadian. Oh, okay. this goes deep. Uh, when I was, God, I must have been like 17 and like Call of Duty videos were all on like trending all the time. This re- Oh, do you remember people would like, they would steal the the titles and thumbnails that like Reply Girl type thing? Yeah. There was one of these Reply type channels <laughs> that was like this Canadian like cob player and he had this really distinct voice and I was always commenting on his videos and... Oh, you got him to I say I guess I annoyed him and he shouted me out. Oh! He shouted me out in one of his videos. It wasn't even a request. Anyway, <laughs> I'm Adam from uh, Your Movie Sucks. This is Sardonicast <laughs> before we go any further. Like, we forgot to do that part. Oh, Hi yeah, everyone, yeah. I'm Ralph Movie Maker. And I'm uh, Alex Raichi and yeah, what are we talking about? Uh, Space <laughs> man, Jam. man, boy, boy, man. Yeah. Yeah, the best man, man, boy, boy, man. Is, yeah. So, so that was your... F- the your most ongoing on album of all What's time. The guy did that? <laughs> yeah, my idol. Yeah, I'll never forget <laughs> him. <laughs> oh, That's okay. awesome. Because that used to appear at the beginning of your Man, Man, Boy, Boy, Man videos channel. Mm-hmm. I don't know how far back it oh, was, yeah. but... I didn't even watch it again recently. It was just so distinct and memorable. <laughs> That's good to know. I'm glad yeah. it really is left an impression. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was confusing because I was like, that doesn't sound British. Who said that? <laughs> no, it makes sense. No, nah, just some random Canadian guy. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Apparently everybody feels like shit except me today, which is like bizarre world. Yeah. yeah. I feel fine. Yeah, I feel kind of under the weather. I said that before we started. Mm-hmm. I'm dying. Yeah, and... I I shouldn't be feeling under the weather, but I kind of a kind of a lame morning if I'm being real. Um, <laughs> of course, because of the pandemic, going I've been to the dentist in like a year. Same, so and I had postponed it. I've before been sorting that, point. that stuff out. It's been too long. Mm-hmm. I've been sorting all that stuff out the last few weeks. So I had an appointment this morning. It was it booked in a couple of weeks ago. Of course, it happens to line up with like this insane heat wave we're having in the UK. Oh right shit! Now. We just had one a um, few just, weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember reading mm-hmm. about the how insane it was getting in Canada too. But here, it, we're just totally not prepared for it in any way. So I'm at the dentist, and they're doing all their dentists like bullshit, using their gels and stuff. But because of the heat, oh no, it's like not working properly. So somehow, like <laughs> they're like melting. I don't know, like all the tools and like you know, like from your perspective, it's just like hands like in your face and plastic and yeah. tools being shoved everywhere. I didn't know exactly what was going on, but like. <laughs> Some some like bit of plastic or thing was stuck in between my teeth, and the dentist oh, like couldn't remove it. That's terrifying. And they were like yanking, trying to pull it away oh, from my, my head, and they like couldn't do it. So they like repositioned my head, yanked as hard as they could, got it out, but in the process sliced the what? edge of my my smile like the fucking oh. Joker from the Dark Knight. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and they had to put a stitch in. <laughs> Holy shit! So you've got you've, you've got a Joker. So that's how you got those now. scars, huh? Yeah. So I'm the joke. I'm literally the joker. Yeah. Now. Oh shit. Yeah. And even despite all my that god. pain, it was not as miserable as sitting through Space Jam and New Legacy. Oh my <laughs> god! Perfect oh, segue. Oh, Space Jam. And I <laughs> would have to imagine that that's probably accurate because it was cancer. It was painful. Yeah. I don't think it's me. I'm, I'm glad you started I'm glad, out that I'm glad way. Glad we got that out of the way <laughs> because like, we all fucking hated the movie. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Space Jam and New Legacy, what a fucking piece of shit. Yeah, the worst thing ever made of all <laughs> it time. It was. It was really bad. <laughs> no, do, do you, you remember guys, the passion we had for Ready Player One? 
Oh yeah, oh, dude. yeah, right, yeah. Do you remember every bad thing from like the last twenty? Well, not even bad thing, just anything you recognize that Warner Bros has touched. Yeah, it was ever. like Ready Player One though. Like it reminded me just of that. Just like a bunch of references on the screen. Like, do you know this? Do you know Clockwork Orange? Do you know Batman? Do you know LeBron James? Do you know Nike? Do you, it's and that, that's the whole movie. It's the yeah. whole movie. Like, there's nothing else going on but references and um selling you shit. Yeah, <laughs> and it's it's like. I don't even know how anyone can watch this shit. Honestly, it's like it's like a whole new level of um, like a whole new cynical legacy. corporate. Yeah, a whole new level of cynical corporate. No, it is. It is because I I didn't think it could go lower than Ready Player One. Yeah, because there's yeah. Th- there's this trend with these uh, Warner Bros. movies that I think was started with the Lego Movie. Because you remember in that movie, it is combining a bunch of Warner Bros. You know, it's got Star Wars in there. The superhero yeah. DC characters are in there. That must have like flicked some switch in the higher ups to just be like, oh, I guess every movie now that we own can just be like a combination of the random properties and IP we have. So they did Ready yeah. Player One. It was garbage, and somehow it's like each one is deconstructing this terrible idea even more and more. <laughs> it is How can it go idea. lower than this? The Lego Movie and Ready Player One were films that had a crap ton of references to Warner Brothers properties, but. There was at least a purpose towards that happening in the plot and what kind mm-hmm. of movie was being made out of it. Because Lego sets already exist of those things, of course. Like, a lot of the iconic Lego sets that exist are, are of other properties that exist yeah, yeah, already. Yeah, it does make sense. The Ready Player movie. One book, the entire purpose of it is is to do that nostalgic thing because the characters in that world are wanting to return to nostalgia of their 80s whatever in the virtual reality. In Space Jam A New Legacy... There's zero purpose towards this happening, and they just decide, well, I guess now this time they can be in the Warner Brothers algorithm computer, and that's the plot. Like, they tailored the plot to force that to happen. Rather than it happening because the plot was already a certain way, right? It's just And there's no space. Yeah. Where's the space jam? Yeah, exactly. They didn't go to space. From the first movie. Holy crap, they went into a server in Warner Brothers. Right. Oh my god. There was a point where, like, I was watching with my brother. He's like, "Where's space?" I'm like, "Yeah." It should be called like Game Jam or something. Yeah. Yeah. Server Jam. It was like Wreck It Ralph. It was more like Wreck It Ralph. True. Holy shit! I didn't even realize there was no space. And there's basically no jam too. I mean, the first film had a killer soundtrack. (laughs) What does this one have? Bullshit. It has notorious pig. Come on. Oh yeah, that was so good. (laughs) That was so funny, and I laughed so much and so hard. That was my breaking point. At least it wasn't a reference. You know. At least it was a. No, like there a is joke. a reference. Yeah, to, um, it's a notorious B.I.G. Biggie. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. True. But, yeah, yeah, you can't I win this so. movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, this movie, it goes under the guise of being a children's film. And that's why <laughs> I guess it doesn't have to try as hard. Except it isn't a kid's film at all. It isn't for families. It's for man children. It's for yep. people who like yeah. Rick and Morty and Freddy Player One <laughs> and like all these old it's properties. For, yeah, and they just want to jack off to them. Yeah, like that's all it is. It's just like a bunch of. Yeah, do you know I Batman? Actually, <laughs> like, dude, that's it. <laughs> when the audience of, for the game at the end is literally White Walkers, the characters from <laughs> Clockwork fucking there were Orange, so many and game the clowns from it. All these things yeah. that are about like the, the anti children's properties. Yeah, they're the, they're put like almost the forefront of fucking tunes. You, you know when um, Scorsese got the shit for describing Marvel movies as just like a theme park, theme park rides. Yeah, yeah. I, but that's what that this was. Is. What the, all this was to me. It's even like the structure of it, like the planets are each like little theme park rides, and it's like, oh, what's LeBron James going to look like on this theme park ride? 
Oh my god, I, I couldn't believe like how bad this film got, and and just ironically, almost the the perfect representation it is of how bad these Warner Bros. movies are in a similar way to the the original Space Jam was of the nineties. It's like a disgusting overly bloated full of way too many references has no personality it's just about yeah, nostalgia it's like all the worst shit we've been complaining about for years like in one movie i cannot believe what i saw <laughs> it has yeah. nothing going on there's nothing there's no story there's no characters there's no theme it's just like it's just references and they shoehorn in the story with his son like that stuff was like supposed to the emotional core that did not work for me at all I just thought LeBron James was, I don't think he's the best actor. I think what? I'll say that. I'll, I'll leave it there. <laughs> uh, apparently in Trainwreck, he's good, which I haven't seen. Oh, what? You know, no, just, I mean. It must be <laughs> hard who? for an actor, you know, to act against green screen and not be with, you know, like he's acting against animated characters, which I guess is difficult for a real actor. And, you know, imagine LeBron James like doing that. It, it doesn't, it doesn't work. He's not good in the movie. And um, the villain of the movie, what the hell was his name? Like Ali G? Yeah, Algorithm. <laughs> Al Al Rhythm, played by Don yeah. Cheadle. Yeah, and he was like, I didn't, I didn't know what he was doing in the movie. Like he was just, he was phoning it in. He was just there for a check. <laughs> the way that Don Cheadle was performing the role, it's like they wanted someone more charismatic, like Will Smith or Kevin Hart, but they were like. Will Smith's yeah. too old and Kevin Hart is too homophobic or something. Like, I don't... Don Cheadle <laughs> didn't seem like he it. fit well for the... I don't know. Has Don Cheadle done many roles where you could say it's like, oh, this is like a wacky Jim Carrey performance or something? Like, what the... No. It was so weird yeah. and it felt like... I, it didn't, didn't feel natural. <laughs> I don't know. Like, not to say yeah. Don Cheadle's a bad actor, but like, I it, it didn't work that well That whole villain for me. character was just such a mess. Like... Just on a visual level, what they try and do with him, uh, how they express him and how he changes yeah. throughout the movie is such a mess. Like, but by the time it, he becomes this weird, like, uncanny valley CGI super mega Don Cheadle. That was really bad. Like, and what was up with that? Like, the movie ended and then it's like, hang on, actually we need 30 more minutes of, like, more, like, pointless, nauseating action. <laughs> can, like, barely tell what's going on. Yeah. The end of this film is a disaster. Like the last half hour, I fucking hate. It's just like yeah. that's when it gets really bad, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. just any semblance of story level. just goes away. I want to address uh, an argument that I've kind of been seeing some people make, where they're essentially saying, "Well, the first Space Jam was also bad, and you're just being like a nostalgia person or whatever." Like, no. the well, problem sure. <laughs> is the space. The first Space Jam was bad and memorable, <laughs> right? Like, mm -hmm. I'm not going to pretend like the first Space Jam was a masterpiece, but they actually put a shit ton of effort into getting the right soundtrack, right? That was a massive success for good reason, yep. right? The combination of something like, oh, we're going to take Michael Jordan, an NBA player, at like the high point of his, uh, uh, sorry, like at the end of his career when he's like transitioning, like this is like a send off for the real life person, Michael Jordan. And we're going to combine that yeah. with Looney Tunes. Like they were showing something new, whether or not it's cheesy and dumb and stupid and blah, blah, blah. And yes, it's bad in many ways. They were showing something new. And there's a reason why they made a sequel in current years, because it, it connected with the culture. And it's a very visceral uh snapshot of 1996 it's defining the decade in a sense right yeah you could you exactly. could make the it, argument it that right space time, jam right place a new legacy 
that the type of movie this is might define parts of filmmaking within this decade, but it's not defining the decade. You could say that this is a negative trend within filmmaking that many other films can be described as doing, but Space Jam 2 does not define a decade. It does not define anything. Mm -hmm. It's forgettable. It's so easily disposable, and I forgot most of it very quickly after, (laughs) because it's just references, Mm -hmm. and it's not references... For humor, it's references in replace of humor in the same way that a Friedberg and Seltzer movie, who I don't know if I'm saying their names are right. Yeah, I know. Epic movie, date movie, two of the six writers of scary movie dudes, right? Like, Mm -hmm. it's just like, oh, you noticed a thing, big chungus. Like, where's the joke, though? Where's the joke? You can't just reference something and all of a sudden it's humor. Like... Yeah. getting the joke isn't just getting what they're showing <laughs> that there's a two different yeah. things i was thinking that during that entire section where the movie becomes oh let's build a team with the uh, roster of famous wb yeah. heroes who'd be good at playing basketball that whole section you could just take out the movie nothing would change yes have a, a oh time. yeah i can't and believe it's t- two hours long it's crazy because they didn't even have to film those sequences they just rotoscoped over yeah. top of it basically with yeah, new characters exactly. so they saved some money <laughs> and uh yeah the, if we're going to talk about the animation the animation in the trailer looked bad already but I, i'm just gonna say mm-hmm. it, it looked bad uh but one thing the that two, i tried my best which, which not to criticize the until the actual movie was out was the lip-syncing animation because the way that studios edit together trailers they take audio from anywhere so it could just be because the audio yeah, is not from yeah. the part in the movie and sort of thing. They do that with live action movies too. But then I watched the movie and it's just as bad. I don't know why the lip syncing <laughs> is so off. I don't like what happened between 1996 and now. Why can I see like all of the keyframes in the animation? It looks so fucking cheap. It's so bad. And I feel yeah, bad about it because animation. like animators deserve to be treated better. Maybe it was poor direction. Studio isn't treating the animators well. There was a post from somebody um, on Facebook uh, that got posted on our subreddit. Who knows if this is true, but I, I mean, given current climate, it probably is. But some guy being like, yeah, I worked on this movie and I was really upset because <laughs> I wanted to show my kids that I was a part of this big thing and uh, my name wasn't in the credits and they never credited me. Like that happens all the time. Wow. Right? So I feel bad for animators, yeah. but at the same time, the animation looked kind of shit. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it didn't look right. That there was something off about the timing or the weight of the characters. Yeah. It felt like rushed, like it needed more sure. work, needed more time. Do you mean more like flash the animation. 2D animation? I think the, the 2D, 2D animation? animation looked worse in terms of like the keyframes. That's exactly what I was talking about specifically. Mm-hmm. But then the character design of the 3D was the worst. Like the movement oh, looked did. fine in the 3D animation. Yeah, that's that's what but I had. The an character issue with. design looked horrendous, uncanny valley, disgusting weird Mm -hmm. and that that was cynical too it's this whole thing of from switching from 2d to 3 for no reason (laughs) along with the line modern it's time for an upgrade yeah and i look expensive it's like i guess (laughs) it just reminds me of all those like 2d animated movies they get into 3d or like the spongebob Mm -hmm. movie where it becomes 3d animated at the end and you know, for, I guess kids think it's fine, but I, it be... I just prefer them staying 2D. Okay, you know? if I were <laughs> just, a writer... It's distracting. If I were a writer on Space Jam or something, and we wanted to make it 3D, maybe you could, like, reincorporate... You know, remember those, like, um, 
those old Looney Tunes cartoons where there was the the animator was a character basically, and you saw the pencil like erase Daffy Duck, and that was like a play on yeah, like two yeah, D. Yeah. You could have you could, if you wanted to like have a transition into three D. Why not bring that back and just like then you have like an animator in a three D environment doing that same joke or something like that could be a reference and a new way to freshen sure. it up at the same time. I don't know. You could you could like play on the idea that they're in 3D animation and have it actually make sense and serve some sort of a purpose and maybe have some sort of like existential uh, question attached to it. But they didn't do anything with it. It was mm-hmm. just there because they wanted yeah. it there and that's it. Like they didn't do anything with it. Why 3D? Th- they could have done the exact same shit in 2D. In that. <laughs> they're not interested in making jokes. They make references. That's yeah. it. And also, when, why when did LeBron fell, turn LeBron into LeBron James a fell out of the sky. Remember Michael Jordan <laughs> yeah, that was live action in the too. cartoon world? Well, there they yeah. teleport him into the Toon world. Here he went into the server and fell through a bunch of planets and happened to land in Looney Tunes land for some reason. Yeah, but why would um, he... But tr- yeah, when well. he lands there and he falls and there's a Nike check mark, like that was... Yeah. It was so cynical that it actually made me laugh. Like I actually thought that was the funniest part of the movie when he falls and there's a Nike check mark. Because this whole yeah. movie is about selling you shit. And you know, it's on HBO yeah. Max. So they have to include every single property they have on HBO Max to remind you that, hey, go check out <laughs> Casablanca. Go check out this yeah, movie. Go check out Clockwork Orange. Like, and, and it's the whole movie is that. You know, it's so cynical and it was a huge push for lebron james i think too like this whole movie was about how cool lebron james was the and coolest i don't know i don't i don't like ego projects king like that. james <laughs> he's they a bad call guy. him <laughs> yeah there's a lot of that in the movie like yeah he's a great basketball player he's the coolest guy like it's not you know we talk about that other movie right place right time michael jordan was like he was just perfect for that and i think mm-hmm. he worked he wasn't trying too hard and, and, you know, LeBron James, I think, is trying to kind of outdo the legacy of Michael Jordan with this movie. A new and, legacy. And I don't yeah. like that. I think that yeah. LeBron was probably a bit better of an actor than Michael Jordan. You um, think so? Yeah. I think, about I, think I think he has a bit more, um, <laughs> like, presence on screen. I, like, there, there's some really bad acting moments of Michael Jordan. I mean, there's bad moments of both yeah. of them, but I think overall... He's an Oscar winner, LeBron James. He won for that documentary. No, that know. was... Um, wasn't that Kobe? Yeah, it was Kobe. Yeah. My apologies. No problem. <laughs> Another basketball player. Yeah. <laughs> he probably would have been better for this. Yeah. Well, actually not because he's dead. But <laughs> that, that, that might have thrown well, a wrench in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry. There's everybody. that. But I would I would have rather seen Kobe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In a perfect world yeah. with no pandemic and you know a lot of <laughs> a lot of things. But anyway, yeah. I was fully expecting this movie to be just one giant advertisement for other Warner Brothers properties. And somehow it was worse than I expected because I expected there to be Mm -hmm. like maybe a moment of charm or a moment of like humor or a joke. But like even the jokes that aren't necessarily referencing Warner Brothers properties, they're just Big Bang Theory level writing. Like just Mm -hmm. in the middle of the Matrix scene, which is already just referencing Matrix, it's like, the the granny is there. It's like, haha, granny, because she's not supposed to know kung fu, whatever. Like, haha, that's a joke. And then the oh, line that they seen. write for the reveal is, can't the lady check her Twitter? And immediately in my mind, I'm just thinking, that's Big Bang Theory. That's just a, you just said, you just said Twitter. Mm-hmm. And that's the joke because you said Twitter and people go, ha, they said Twitter. Like, why? That's not a joke. <laughs> that's just a thing that exists that happens to be technological. That's not what a joke is. 
It's funny we were talking about Fucking Shrek boomers. a few episodes ago because like that Matrix, that exact Matrix joke was in the first Shrek, and we we're like, yeah, oh yeah, it's like, yeah, it's funny how old that is now, but this is like <laughs> a new movie that just came out, and they're still doing that. <laughs> it's the same shit. It has yeah. the same Matrix joke with Granny and um, Speedy <laughs> Gonzalez or whatever, who they got mm-hmm. rid of because people thought he was racist, but then, <laughs> but then they brought him back apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Because uh, you know, he's like the is he he's like the mouse or whatever. He's like yeah. the Spanish mouse. Yeah, yeah. In terms of Spanish people. But what the hell was the point really of that, that shit? He's like jumping on the bullet. Like it's it's like we've seen this joke a thousand times. It's been done a million times, and they're but, still. Doing but even it. the stuff you like expect and want to see from the premise, you don't even really get. At least in a way that I'd be happy with. Like in any way, this movie is basically it's basically the bones of the '90s one like remade yeah. with a bunch of like bullshit added to it and right because like it's it, even for that last like <laughs> basketball showdown in that first movie it's like it's so simple it's all it needs to be you get all the tune characters you get all the gags of them being stupid cartoon characters playing basketball and that's what you want it's simple it's short condensed the villains are like cartoons take it now to this version and like what is going on visually with like the 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 bad guys are these like CG superheroes that will have like different powers? The tunes like mm-hmm. it's just a mess. What is their it's purpose? In this... They're basketball yeah, it's just players a total too. Mess. Yeah, they got real basketball players for this movie, and they they play on the bad guy team, but they put a bunch of CGI on top of them. They got someone from the the WNBA too. Uh, you know, so it's like a there's a woman snake kind of cgi creature playing basketball it's like what the fuck is this this is terrible <laughs> i don't even know what's going on when they added real basketball players other than michael in the first film they had some sort of plot and comedic purpose to it and it was kind of amusing they yeah. they had their powers the monster little alien thing stole their ability to play basketball and it's pretty funny having these professional basketball players pretend not to be able to f- play basketball like oh i can't i can't mm-hmm. hold anything anymore and then yeah. at the end of the movie they get their powers back and you know there's scenes in between there's like a montage of like one of them going to therapy like during this awesome soundtrack again basketball jones like so memorable like i know exactly what song's playing in that fucking in mm-hmm. that scene anyway they, they all they do for this film is they just say oh these players and then they turn them into cg monsters but it's like we never got like even a moment with those original players. We we didn't get anything. You just kind of acknowledge yeah. that they no, existed. No, we didn't get anything. And that's it. And that's Very everything right. in the movie is just acknowledging that other things exist in real life. And so if the whole movie is just acknowledging that other things exist that are better than the movie, why would I watch the movie? I can just do other things that you're acknowledging exists. Like, what's the point of the movie? It's entirely purposeless. Well, they try yeah. to replicate certain characters even from the first film. Like, they had the, you know, Wayne Knight's character, or sorry, uh, Bill Murray's character. They basically had to stand in for that, for LeBron James's friend or whoever that was, who was, like, trying mm-hmm. to get into the server system, and he was like, Siri, let me in, or whatever, and that was supposed to be funny. But, like, it wasn't really memorable, like, Bill Murray yeah. worked really well for Space Jam. Bill Murray is, like, one of the funniest parts. Yeah, I don't and, know. Uh, Melman. Just, you can't... <sighs> it's so disposable, is what it is. And re- regardless of yeah. whether or not we want to call Space Jam 1 a bad movie, it is not disposable. You can't get rid of it. It's also appropriate for its audience. Like... I, yeah, who's like, this I'm for? I'm just picturing, like, kids <laughs> sit here watching, like, an Austin Powers reference... Yeah. yeah, like, who is it for? Us, I guess, but we hate it. 
my parents are actually uh, visiting in town for the first time in a year and a half or whatever because of COVID, but uh, they're fully vaccinated. And uh, because I had to watch this movie for the podcast in, in time, they, they were forced to watch it as well. <laughs> Half of it. Anyway. Think? I yeah. mean, they didn't think it was good or anything. Both of them individually laughed once, like chuckled once at certain moments. I think my mom might have chuckled at mm. the uh, notorious PIG moment, but um, I don't remember. <laughs> anyway, they, they brought up a really good point at the very end of the film when everybody's in the digital world and then you have this like ending sequence where like everybody's essentially getting like thanos back into reality and like they're <laughs> like their bodies like falling apart and like going into the sky and my mom said like this would be terrifying for children and i was like you know what you're right because a child isn't going to have the context of this is a digital world and like the understanding that like they still exist in reality because like they just got sucked through a machine or whatever like a child isn't going to to have that knowledge at that moment. Like they're not going to be able to put that into context. All they're going to see is just a crowd full of people, each individual group getting disintegrated into the air. And I'm just like, holy shit! Like that that would probably <laughs> yeah. show up on my childhood trauma thing or something. Like I don't know who this movie is for. There, I don't think there's a single moment that's like really entertaining for children. Is there? I don't fucking know what's going no. on. There was that. Oh, it's, it's for no one. So obnoxious. I Unless, hate it. like, it's for it turns like ADHD. it's a Fortnite at the end. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> yeah. a mess of colors and just like Batman's there and the Iron the Giant fist bumps so King Kong. I don't think it's for anybody, though. Like, you, you say man children, you say ADHD. I don't think this is for fucking anybody. <laughs> What's the rating on IMDb right now? I don't think anybody likes it's it. It's low. It's like, low. how do you yeah. release a, a movie, like a major film from Warner Brothers? Oh, it's 4.3 like out of 10 low. now. It was like 3.6 earlier. Maybe it's finding the I right market. I believe it had a like hundred fifty million dollar budget, which is crazy. Really? You see, it yeah, I'm not surprised. Like it. And and for what? You know, because there's nothing in the movie. It's it's two actors and a bunch of CGI in a, in a green screen room. Like, what did they what did they pay for? I guess no. LeBron James is probably a producer on it. I mean, where animation's expensive, and I don't know. Well, they don't pay the animators, so. <laughs> But, and it's, but it's directed by someone with like no animation background yeah. whatsoever. They Isn't did that a funny? Girls Trip and Undercover Brother and random shit. Maybe they were thinking like, oh yeah, let's replicate the success of the original Space Jam because they got Joe Pitka or whoever, right? He didn't have experience with animation, did he? Maybe they were thinking that would just work. Like they had the right formula. Yeah. They were going to try and replicate it in that sense. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. maybe. What a gigantic piece of garbage. Also... Also. Sorry, but I'm gonna bring this up. Fucking Lola Bunny, she looks trash. Okay, and you, <laughs> you, it, I, I want to make absolutely clear because people exaggerate the other sides of the argument. So if somebody says, uh, "Why does Lola Bunny look so ugly?" that other people immediately think like, "Oh, what? So you want her to be sexualized? You can not. You can still have a character not sexualized and also not turn them into something like incredibly ugly." What? Like I'm not even straight. Okay. I think that she's really fucking ugly as an animation concept, <laughs> as a character design. There are plenty of other mm -hmm. animations. Like, you can say the characters in the Nut Shack look ugly. They're ugly designed characters. They're badly designed characters. Yeah. That's not saying, oh, I want them to be fuckable. That's a commentary on just the... the, the aesthetics of the character design nothing to do with her tits okay her face looks ugly why did they make her face ugly why did they do that i don't know 
Yeah, you've mentioned Lola Bunny's tits before. Yeah. Uh, she looks bad in the movie. She doesn't even need to be in it. Really. Oh, yeah. Isn't she that crazy? She She's just because, like, the original, yeah. The, the, yeah. The, the, the supposed criticism of the original is, is like, okay, so you introduce this female character, and clearly in the original, it's just like, oh, she's just the love interest of Bugs Bunny. She's just a hot piece of ass or whatever, right? Like, that is degrading <laughs> yeah. to women. I can agree. I can understand the criticism there, okay? No disagreement on whether or not that's problematic or whatever you want to call it. However... She doesn't serve a purpose in this new film. Like, at least she had a purpose, whether or not the purpose was problematic in the first film. Now she has no purpose. Now she has nothing. You'd think that if you were a writer creating Space Jam 2 and being like, okay, well, what can we do critically about the first film? Lola Bunny only served the purpose as just being the uh, Bugs's romantic interest for no reason. And she just walked around being like, oh, everybody thinks she's hot sort of thing. Right. Give her a new purpose mm. in the other movie. Give her a new purpose in Space Jam 2. Why is she here? Give her... Yeah, like, She's I don't Wonder even Woman care. Like, give her something to do other than just existing. No, right? she's just Wonder yeah. Woman. Why doesn't she have, like, goals <laughs> exactly. or desires then? Like, if you're trying to combat sexism, give her a character. Give her something to strive for, like a motivation. What are you doing? What a trash character. Her face looks stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and all the tunes in this, they didn't really do anything. They they were such an afterthought in the in the movie for me. Like Bugs Bunny, um, he has a big sacrifice toward the end of the movie where he has to make a certain apparently, jump, uh, but it glitches <laughs> out. Um, but then it like doesn't do anything. Like he, he, you know, he does the he glitches himself out. He does the thing, and then you think he's gonna die, but he doesn't. So noble. And then like the next scene, he just shows up again. And it's like, what's up, Doc? So, and, yeah, like, yeah. No I, I was trying. I was trying to come up with something clever, like because you know his his kid wants to make video games or whatever. Like in the movie, oh, yeah. LeBron James' kid. I thought like, okay, so he's gonna go to like the the gaming camp, summer camp, and he's gonna like redesign bugs bunny or something bring him back you know something that makes sense mm. but it like bugs bunny just shows up like it doesn't like no one had any purpose bugs bunny sacrificed himself but then he just comes back the next scene so it's like what are, what's the, what's this movie trying to do what's the story E3 even being in it was funny because like E3's like died to death like the last year <laughs> yeah. so that being and it was part E3 of the story summer was... camp yeah like what was that yeah it's, it's just made up <laughs> is bullshit. that a thing <laughs> I was like just there in bemusement. I'd, I'd actually forgotten about the Nike tick bit, but that is egregious. It's almost like <laughs> them just putting a middle finger up at the screen, like, like fuck you, you're already in. We've already yeah. got your money. Like, Yeah, exactly. What else can we even do at this point? I think Nike paid for the whole movie, and yeah, I don't know. Like Warner Brothers just made it because it was no, no expense at them, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, just put LeBron James in it, Nike will pay for it throwing a bunch of references and people eat it up because they're stupid <laughs> and i guess but, yeah i mean are, are people stupid do people like this no <laughs> i guess not <laughs> no one likes it. it no one likes it everyone just no, thinks it's a joke i don't think so and yeah the only reason it's relevant and being talked about is because of like the chungus frame that's been shared on twitter or, like, <laughs> just awful shit from the film that's being made fun of everything that yeah. i see other people saying about the movie is essentially just social media post they put this in the movie which is kind of what yeah. they want in a way, because you're promoting yeah. the it's film by, yeah. it's by saying, hey, they right. put Rick and Morty in it. Whether or not you're saying, mm-hmm. hey, they put it in it and this is cringe, or hey, they put it in it, I like this, you're kind of promoting the movie for them, right? And I guess we do that too. We're film well, yeah. reviewer people. But I think, mm-hmm. that, I think exactly. that the movie fails in much worse ways than just which properties are in it and how many. 
I think that it's an absolute disaster, regardless of whether or not it's a gigantic ad for other properties of Warner Brothers, because the Lego movie is a good movie and it can still be an ad for Lego and Warner Brothers. Like, just because mm-hmm. something is an ad for something else and whether how gratuitous it is or not, you know, the degree to which it is doesn't really influence whether or not it's a good film. It's just that it was a substitute for any writing or jokes yeah. or character or it's story that balance. there was nothing there and what's mm-hmm. really embarrassing yeah. about it is like when you when you see the scenes like when lebron enters the tune world and they have the there's like a train chase really quickly they're doing all of this action nonsense and it's going by super super quickly blam 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 just imagining how they wrote that the people that created this obviously think they're doing something much more than they actually are. Like, they think that there's something there. is, Or at least that's the impression that I get. Because they're actually, really? you know, writing you all these it? different scenarios and set pieces, even if they only last for, like, two seconds each or whatever. Like, they put effort into being like, oh, let's have him do this, and let's have him do this, and let's have him do this. And it's just a room of writers or whatever the scenario was to create that end product. But none of it works. They're they're just incredibly no, untalented work. writers, or I don't know how <laughs> else to justify how the movie turned out this way. Yeah, yeah. There's no story or anything, and the conversation is about the references because there is nothing else to talk about. Genuinely, there is nothing. Mm-hmm. There is absolutely right. nothing. It's references. It's LeBron James is cool, and Looney Tunes are in it for a little bit. It's like if you <laughs> that's took basically the whole movie. <laughs> just some corporate advertiser people that have never made a single good commercial in their life and got them to write a a full-length film you know and it's not it's not just because it's a big ad but like the quality of the writing like if you turn on ads on like television or youtube or anything like when's the last time you've seen like a good ad right that's what space jam's like it's like (laughs) if you sat through an entire commercial that was two hours long just the quality of what it mm-hmm. was is reflective of that. It's mm-hmm. so bad. It's it is bad. Terrible. It's shameful. Yeah. Very yeah, uh, shameful for shame. Is the word for it. The shameful display. Yeah, straight up for shame. <laughs> Fuck this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fuck them. Uh, Fuck that shit. All right, I think we're done. Oh, this just, is bad. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, jeez, what a pandering piece of shit. Yeah, pandering to who even? Yeah, <laughs> right. To the <laughs> dumb writers. <laughs> to themselves. Thought like they this. thought they wrote something funny. Clearly. Yeah, I kind of had the same experience with you as you, Adam, where my dad kind of came in halfway and watched it with me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he hated it too. He's like, it's just a bunch of <laughs> colors and shit. It's just like it's a big headache. It's really cynical. Yeah, it's really bad. Like, if this is where movies are going, I never want to see a movie again. <laughs> this <laughs> is fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah, man. And it feels like this is where movies are going. Like, you know, people don't want anything uh, controversial or offensive, or you know, they want fluff like this. It's just nothing. It's oh, just yeah. like a bunch of references yeah. to yeah, things you nothing. know, rapist characters, dumb jokes on the basketball field. <laughs> not controversial. Well, yeah. Clockwork Orange guys, yeah, they're they're rapists too. But you're not supposed to. They're they're movie characters, I guess. You're not supposed to think about that. <laughs> you're just supposed to. The laugh it clown was Alex so distracting. <laughs> you know? No, yeah, because I was thinking about that when like, I why is he cheering went to that see on? my first why is, movie. Why does he give a shit about um, basketball? 
there was like an advert for Jaws when I went to see a movie when I was a kid and that freaked me out so much and that wasn't even like part of the movie so imagine like a kid who's like freaked out of the it clown and they go yeah oh, this, they show him so much jam, the, the fun kids movie it's like oh my god oh my god killer clown that's gonna fucking eat me and drag me down a drain <laughs> you know how in like too many cooks the like creepy guy with the beard is like hanging out in the background yeah. of all those frames like ready mm-hmm. to kill you it's like that could be a yeah, child's experience like. watching this because like that the clown has a creepy face he's just hang he's just ominously hanging out in the in the court yeah why is he there this isn't for kids uh-huh. what'd you do yeah if you chemically engineered the concept of a headache and transformed it into a film that would be Space Jam, a new legacy. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't even looking at the subject of the frame. I was usually looking in the background during the basketball scene just yeah. to see like what was back there. But that's so distracting. Like, who thought that was a good idea? Like, yeah. I'm looking in the background at fucking blurry fucking images instead of focusing eggs. on what's happening in the story because it's so boring. I'm talking about the, uh, the subjects in the frame holy shit like the composition and just it's like mostly an animated movie it's so flat it's so bland it's like nothing creative <laughs> yeah. about the way it's assembled it doesn't use the fact it's animated for any any good ideas like even the the dumb stupid shit from the 90s one the memorable like stretching and just the continuous idea of like it's in a cartoon world so you're going to see the cartoony dumb shit you'd expect from, yeah like, sure you don't even get that kind of stuff it's just i just don't get the, what it's going for at yeah. all yeah and, you know, mm-hmm. the aliens from the first one made a cameo in here for, like, two seconds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They could have been more part of the plot, but they weren't. <laughs> like, they're just in there for a reference, and then they go away. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and it's useless. Everything's useless. yeah, Danny DeVito, he was, like, a fun animated villain that made sense True. in the first movie. Now it's Don Cheadle. In the first movie? Oh, my God. Action. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was, like, a really small character. Like, it was so uninteresting. It doesn't matter, but you have... You know, Danny DeVito in there. It's memorable. We didn't even really talk uh-huh. about the stupid fucking sidekick of Don Cheadle, too. That, like, Wally voice, like, stupid robot That's thing. Right. Yeah. It's like, why it is that like in the, the like, clip why? <laughs> from Windows, That's on the checklist. That I get it. You want to do something fucking cute? <laughs> like, is that one for the babies? They've already got loads of cute characters. That's the weird thing. They've already got all of the WB yeah. cartoons. Yeah. You got the Looney Tunes. <laughs> why do you need that? <laughs> yeah. yeah what? What's the sidekick yeah. for? Served zero purpose of just like, oh, you got to have something go bleep bloop. <laughs> yeah, that was their attempt at a new thing. Yeah, like the new plush. You got to have a, you got to have a <laughs> character that only says goo goo gaga, basically. Yeah, you know, oh, they dude. had to design nothing new for this movie. Like, it's all pre existing things. They didn't have to animate any new characters. It's just. Oh, what about the uh, time traveling robot guy that's in like one scene? What? I don't remember that. <laughs> It's a very forgettable movie. You're going to have to refresh this. Yeah, there's like randomly this like robot time. He like, fuck. He like pauses time and just fucks with everyone. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. The fucking chromium or whatever. It's like a weird X-Men thing. I don't know what that. I think that was just a new Monstar. I mean, sorry. Goon Squad is what they call them now. I think that (laughs) was just one of the Goon Squad members. There was one that was like fire and water at the same time because that's like cool. Apparently. There was the snake person. Why were they superheroes? Why? I don't know because superheroes WB are hot did right this now. in that in the last Scooby Scooby Doo movie as well. They, they got to be up there for just, just X Men like, like studios right now. <laughs> if they didn't have Nolan or DC, what the hell would they be doing? Yeah, I know. Combat Godzilla versus Kong. You know what pissed me off that nobody else cared about because I guess I'm autistic or something is like with so the time travel chromium dude presses the button on his 
wrist or whatever and he's like oh okay so for the next minute i'm gonna be able to go super fast i'm pausing time and i'm scoring goals or whatever he was doing and that was a disadvantage to the other characters and then what does granny do to kill him she just does the exact she presses the same button on his wrist it goes for like 90 years but for some reason he's frozen in time now and aging but it's like he should be able to move around freely and score goals while like him aging like you did the same thing but now there's different consequences to it that doesn't make any sense that pissed me off and then yeah nobody of course nobody else cares because it's just it's stupid and time travel never works unless it's primer or 12 monkeys (laughs) i think everything about the movie makes no sense and is bad every level of it yeah. <laughs> like even the red just and blue, that like, the like neon thing just the look of it i can't see it looks it the awesome. whole thing looks yeah. like shit it does mm-hmm. look like shit it's all a green screen room like all of don Cheadle's stuff was just in a green screen room all of it and then once he becomes the cgi uncanny valley thing it's just his voice acting like he was such a non-presence in <laughs> why the do they need I felt to like, do that? i felt like he was so just like he showed up for a check and then left like good for him but <laughs> That's I really exactly wasn't expecting like. Uncanny Valley problems from a Space Jam movie. I mean, we no, got that in the I, I first either. one with fucking inflated. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. We're you're in the year 2021. The fucking the CGI should be much better. Everything was seems to be a, made as cheaply as possible somehow, and they spent like 150 million on it anyway. That that must just be a lie. I don't even believe that. <laughs> 150 million. I I don't believe that. Money laundering maybe. Going to LeBron James. <laughs> money laundering. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's million. what I believe. Money laundering. Yeah. That's just a theory. LeBron James took all the money. <laughs> a film theory. <laughs> yeah. If you're a fan of LeBron James, you might like the movie. They didn't have to pay anyone for the rights. All right. One out of ten. What else do we got? Fuck this shit. I'm so done with this. Let's talk yeah, about trans funny. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah, no, I, I like it. shitting on this movie. I like shitting on this movie because I don't know. I'm not going to get a chance to shit on it again. Okay. It yeah. Anything else you want to add? Go for it. Um, Take the floor. Out of five, I'll just I'll just do my rating. I'll out of five, I'll do one out of five. It's fucking piece of crap. Really, you're going one out of five. I'm doing a half star out of five. Whatever the lowest thing. <laughs> it, to be honest, I don't actually count this as a movie. Like this marks a point for me where it's like good just, call. It's like a new timeline where it's like a new category we need for like movies like this yeah this is like a, a new legacy. legacy this is like one of the roger ebert infamous zero stars or something it's like this is a movie <laughs> the fuck is this i was yeah because i was i just remember being so disappointed by ready player one and just like the way it seemed like some of these movies were going and like just to flash forward to now and see this it's like so depressing to me fuck this yeah. film half star and that's I, I bet we're gonna see more films like this in the future because i think Maybe. it did pretty well you never know, because if um, this doesn't yeah. make that much money, you know, I'm sure HBO has the numbers yeah, of like, hopefully. who signed up for HBO Max to watch this? And then we have the theater numbers. So I don't know. We'll see if it was a success for them or not. Maybe they'll stop this bullshit. <laughs> Maybe they'll decide yeah. it was a bad idea. Maybe it won't mm-hmm. be profitable. Uh, yeah, I knew we were in for a wild ride when in the movie there was like, I think Sarah Silverman in her office is oh, like yeah. an Aquaman poster, like a giant Aquaman poster on the wall. I knew we were in for that a so at that point. There was a The Suicide Squad poster. There was everything. Uh-huh. It was just posters for things coming out. A lot of Walking Dead actors as well. Like Steven, Steven Yeun, who plays Glenn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Steven Yeun, actually. Okay. Yeah. And um, there's another, the woman who plays LeBron James's wife in the movie. She's in Walking Dead. Oh. I don't know who she plays. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, you're That right, was a yeah, bad character, yeah. too. 
Oh, we, terrible. Uh, before we were we were like laughing at like all the LeBron James stuff with his son. Like like he was so he wanted his son to play basketball so bad, but it was like he was a gamer. <laughs> yeah, it was like it was just so funny how he, like, you got to go to basketball camp. Like it was so funny. I'm such like, a terrible like, game designer <laughs> that if you do a certain move, it deletes the character. And doesn't make that any sense. The video game the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but even then it's like wait we need to make the game crash yeah so we can you score. need to glitch it like, but what? bugs yeah. you're gonna have to you have to do it and you'll die you die in real life but he didn't die he was fine he was fine no dad i've run the it calculations yeah that was a funny line <laughs> <laughs> but they, they uh, set that up earlier in the not movie. a video game character <laughs> Dad, you don't know that. I've done the calculations. Yeah, his character got deleted. He's like, damn, my character got deleted. I'm like, how'd that happen? Like, that doesn't even make sense. Oh, he's, like, just a, yeah. he's just a shit game designer, and he should play basketball instead. LeBron's right. Fuck this movie. I want to talk about Transformers. Yeah. Let's leave. Okay, I don't want fine. this anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Bye-bye, Space Jam. Um, bye-bye, <laughs> forever. Fuck Space Jam, a new legacy. Should I lower my rating to half a star? I think you should. Yeah, go or on. Should I just if go you're asking it? the question, you should do it. I was actually surprised you gave it a full... Yeah, uh, I'll go half a star then. Okay. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> if, if this doesn't deserve that, then it's what so movie bad. does? <laughs> exactly. Gotti? Never. <laughs> does. All right, you want to introduce put this the, and Gotti uh, at the same level. Film. Okay, so my recommendation was a, a double feature for train spotting and T2 train spotting. Spoilers. Uh, we'll be talking about these films in depth. Um, so Train Spotting will start with the 1996 Danny Ball movie, uh, based on the novel by Irvine Welsh, um, written by John Hodge. Story about addicts is what the name, as part of what is brilliant about the name is it's a metaphor because it is one of the only, well, it's just a great metaphor for something that is like, that is likened to addiction, which is what the movie is about. I have some family members who are train spotters and it is a funny metaphor to use because it is such a sort of avid thing to be into. But Can you explain that for me, actually? Because I've never actually uh, oh, looked really? into that in depth. Yeah, I'm not really sure what a train spotter is even. The concept of train spotting and train spotters. Yeah. Oh, it's people yeah. who love trains so deeply that, here's an example, like a couple Christmases ago for like family reunion, they're so into trains that oh. one of them gave the other a record with um, just the sounds of trains on them. <laughs> like a, an EP with <laughs> okay. just the sounds of like trains on them. It's like, it goes like that deep, and they know like every model number. They're out there at 2 a.m. to see some really specific serial number thing that's just going to be on this one line at mm. one time. It's like that deep, that level of commitment. That's that into fascinating. It. But yeah, those people do mm. exist for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, yeah, it's obviously the title of the movie, but it's more specifically... Um, set in the 90s in a, a pretty poor part of Scotland. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just four characters who are battling with heroin addiction and what comes of it and just kind of highlighting this situation they're in and the different ways people from this era well, dealt with addiction. And that's that's the main focus and just the way it transpires throughout the 90 minutes and just the creative energy that's behind this movie is... It's always stood out as a point in my mo my mind the first time I saw this movie. It, mm -hmm. It's like a moment. It's like, oh, yeah. It's like This is really like a creative, just visually so inspired, just the way that it's so visually expressive, the, the imagery is so expressive. Uh, there's yeah. so many great 
visual metaphors. So it's just so inspired. It was the perfect, I think it's uh, Danny Boyle's magnum opus to me. It's just mm-hmm. the perfect source material, the perfect direction, just the perfect characters and everything. I, I, I think it has an excellent personally. soundtrack too. Oh, mm-hmm. the soundtrack! Like, I think of course, the soundtrack's yeah. killer. Fucking every, great yeah, songs, every basically the entire song. yeah, the entire. Because we talk basically. about those kind of soundtrack or the playlist type soundtracks yeah. in movies sometimes, but something about the train spotting one is elevated, where it's it's almost more associated with train spotting. All the songs from it are associated with train spotting more than the separate artist's work, and it's all so ingrained within the characters of the movie. They're fans of Iggy Pop within the movie, and their whole sequences are designed around like the underworld music, which is a big part of Danny Boyle's mm. films as well. And there isn't much I dislike about the movie at all, to be honest. It's, it's definitely one of my favorites. So where yeah, do you guys kind of stand on it? Uh, I love the movie. When I first saw it, I was with you. I thought, this is fucking awesome movie. <laughs> and it's very funny, too. I think that's a huge part of it. I, it's a very funny film. I love the time. And yeah. at times it could be very disturbing. <laughs> um, the, the things I remember most about it are like the baby, the, you know, the, that stuff. <laughs> like the the, uh, the yeah, withdrawal yeah. scene. Like, I think that's the highlight for me. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. Have always loved it. I, I don't think it's perfect. There's like maybe a couple issues I have with it, but it's something that obviously deserves its spot as being a classic as being like a part mm-hmm. of like the culture of filmmaking and especially with the directing and what's going on conceptually in this film and how ideas are communicated so yes, you know it's yeah exactly it's um the most memorable parts of the movie for me like not just the uh withdrawal scene like that's a obviously a big one but the overdose scene is something that immediately stuck out to me the first time i watched it because i love the visual representation of what was happening to this character of him sinking into the carpet past the floor and then we get a perspective shot from inside the carpet that you know obviously this is turning into something symbolic and metaphorical because you clearly the carpet Mm. didn't come with him to the the hospital you know the intent is, is there but just showing something in that way is just i think it's really really brilliant and i love that uh very early on into the movie uh we get a a similar style with the toilet underwater uh, to get the yes, suppositories yeah. swimming through there that's really early on and it's uh, the perfect representation of like here's what you should expect from this movie maybe not at every single moment but this is the type of movie that this is and you know it just wouldn't be the same thing at all without danny boyle so Mm -hmm. yeah but just that like that moment you just mentioned it's so it's so expressive just in how you totally get the idea just through the visuals that and the juxtaposition of him you know, he's going into this vile toilet, the most disgusting, like, toilet set you've ever seen. It's, like, really claustrophobic <laughs> and small. Yeah. And just the concept of him getting his drug back, getting back to his addiction and the the kind of the dreamy, mm-hmm. like, joy he gets from that. And then the, 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 like, Brian Eno music, it's kind of positive imagery being associated with the negative thing. So then when you flash yeah. back and pull back out of it into that toilet, like, back into the set, it's, like, really hammers home, like the theme of the movie and what the characters are going through. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's a heightened, helpful way to express characters and emotions in a way that acting never really could, you know? 
It's there's only so yeah. much we can get by just hearing dialogue and the inflection of someone's voice and the expression on their face. There's only so mm -hmm. much we can get as human beings. But when you when you create something that expresses something so visual and atmospheric, especially with the combination of, of music, it's like this is filmmaking. This is the magic of filmmaking. Yeah. This is this is using film to its best advantage to create something and actually share and express emotions and stories. I, I think this is just the best way that film can be used, really. Yeah. Is that technique? Yeah. And with the uh the one you said earlier about when he overdoses and is sort of lowered down, almost like later in the movie where the coffin and that character does die um as a result mm -hmm. of Yeah, Tommy. This drug. Yeah, yeah. 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 That was a whole part I, I, of the film I forgot about from like my first few and that was like his his fall is like spectacular. Like it's so fast. <laughs> he yeah. goes from mm -hmm. having everything to to dying. <laughs> yeah, it's so. Well, sad. there's a there's yeah. a chaos to the movie that is so perfect for the subject matter. It's yeah. directed in a chaotic way. It's edited in a chaotic way. Just everything about it is chaos. But it's so controlled and so directed, and just yeah. fits in with the tone of everything so well. And you mentioned the tone earlier, the comedy of it. And I've always been drawn to movies that are able to have that comedy in there, but also have the drama hit when it matters it's one of my favorite just ways to yeah get me in just emotionally invested in the story for some reason that just really works for me and for me it is a very good comedy up until that baby scene where it almost turns into a horror movie and that's mm -hmm. a, there's something a lot of danny ball movies kind of do is they have that, a point where they shift into almost another genre and it, yeah, yeah it goes into the whole kind of trippy uh sequence where, where he's on the bed and the baby and everything yeah it's non-stop with the movie yeah they set up they set up the baby really well like you see it basically right at the beginning of the movie yeah and you know the second i saw it i'm like oh man that baby is not like that baby's in trouble that one <laughs> like, dead ass baby and, then, and that's you know it, it's horrifying but in that situation with those characters that's what should happen in the story because yeah you know it what they're doing is wrong they are bad people what it brings out <laughs> of the characters is so haunting yeah. i guess i'm just too much of a determinist and i think that everybody's a victim of just existence but you know like dr drug addiction is a, a an illness in in many different ways mm -hmm. for yes. sure obviously yeah. like yeah that that baby should have been put up for adoption or something or taken by uh child protective services yeah taken away yeah mm -hmm. but that scene does a good point of highlighting the like illness nature of it because that is how they all deal with it they don't yeah they like, immediately shoot you know, up afterwards right yeah yeah, yeah that yeah. is how they deal with everything and it's like really sad like it's uh, i i feel as much for them as i do the baby you know like i it's mm -hmm. it's a sad situation to be in it's a really well then ian mcgregor has a line like i'll give her a hit but after mine of course yeah you know that's what i mean like about them being unlikable <laughs> it's because their their addiction has made them unlikable they have you like an addiction the philosophy yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they they're using like language like my sincere and truthful drug habit and stuff like this. It's all like very oh, yeah. nihilistic. The main character, Ewan McGregor's character, is super nihilistic. His whole mm -hmm. choose life thing. Yeah, and, perfect. You know, he's his whole character wants to escape. It's kind of what defines him. And it's it, yeah. he has such an interesting. The movie kind of boils up to this dilemma he has, this choice he has. And the execution of it is so expressive of the character, like we were saying earlier. And again, without using tons of unnecessary exposition or whatnot, my favorite moment in that conclusion is just how it ends with Spud and him, where it's like complete silence. He sees him leaving the room and he just 
shakes his head in disapproval and just leaves. It's just yeah. such a good way to leave the characters. and that Just everything makes sense. The story builds on itself so naturally. The way, mm-hmm. like, the, the, the four characters, like, all having, like, sex scenes at the same time and it all advances the story in, like, a different way or it's, like, either for comedy or... Yeah. There's just so much going on in the movie that comes together so well. And that pace as well. It's only 90 minutes and it just it doesn't need a minute more or less. It flies by. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, one of the best examples I can think of of a movie that it feels like it must be longer than it is because so much happens within a short time. Yeah. As in, like, you don't feel like, oh, this is, was too long, but it's like you you think, like, surely this must have been a two-hour film based on how many how much content was in it. But then it turns out it was yeah, only yeah. 90 minutes because it's just the entire thing is just one gigantic like time lapse almost, you know, like things. <laughs> it, it, that's part of why Tommy's uh, downfall seems so sudden is because it's over a long period of time and they don't waste time with anything. Yeah. You know, like even in the opening, yeah. um, mm-hmm. even in the opening scene when he's first trying to get off of heroin, you have that nice scene where he's like, oh, three cans of tomato soup, mushroom soup for cold, blah, 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 yeah. blah. He not locks himself <laughs> in his room or his apartment or whatever hammers the nails into it and then instead of getting like a drawn out literal representation of him taking them off we just kind of see him on the phone outside the boards are broken obviously he was the one that did it right we don't need more information than that and it travels much faster in that way and it's it's better to have some things that are interpretable in that way i mean it's obvious what happened yeah. but you know, it's, it's got a great pace. There's a lot yeah. of scenes in here that are like really short. I think they're good. It's just it's yeah. with that pacing. Like I remember there's a scene where he's like, I think he's at a doctor's office and they give him an injection or they take his blood mm-hmm. and he goes, ouch. Yeah. That's the scene. That's it's really like funny. 20 seconds long. Mm-hmm. It is funny because he's a heroin addict. He's getting, he's getting an injection or something. Yeah. You're doing <laughs> uh, but, it wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and that was it. That was the scene. But yeah. just there, you got like enough information to to you know come up with the oh that scene had a point and then it moves on to the next thing and it's Mm -hmm. like that brisk pacing where the movie stays ahead of you i think because that brisk pacing Mm -hmm. you know you don't you're never really figuring out where it's going you're just enjoying the ride you're really just enjoying these characters who are that are really funny you know they're not likable entirely but i think they are very funny i think ian mcgregor's character um i think he's very like a capable smart like i think he's a good protagonist mm-hmm. um he's definitely drawn back you know because of his addiction but him taking the money him he does like a lot of smart things throughout the movie he I does think. he's you know what's weird is like he's also kind of an asshole in ways that i can't blame the drug for like like when he when he sure. shoots the, the <laughs> dog with a bb gun <laughs> like that that scene it makes it funnier for sure yeah um, that is funny though it's somehow the character is still likable despite a scene like that well that i'm stealing the uh, porno too that's the other oh, really yeah. bad thing yeah just like yeah. people are kind of assholes <laughs> i think that's part mm-hmm. of the point of that character though isn't it is that he, he doesn't change at the end so him just walking into the camera with him smiling it's mm-hmm. like there's, there's a sadness there's a darkness to it and again just the the story choices that they decided to take with the the five like main kind of characters in relation to the addiction side like Renton is the addict who manages to recover it so it's really good him being the protagonist and then you got like sick yeah. boy who is fun to put with Renton because 
it's like a part of the movie where he doesn't struggle with the addiction as much, so he'll like just stop doing heroin just to annoy Renton. Yeah. So getting that perspective is industry. And then on top of that, you have like Begbie, who's kind of the villainous, just uh, control character yeah. who he he's not interested in heroin. He's, he's someone who completely yeah. rejects the idea in that hilarious line where he's like, taint just fucking chemicals. And he like takes a shot. He's like, I've never fucking touched yeah. anything like that. <laughs> he's the most like toxic and violent character, despite not being the heroin addict. Yeah, yeah. yeah the socially exactly. acceptable addict. Spud is essential for the the sort of emotive yeah, best character you know, vulnerable side he is the best well, character he is the best character he's the most vulnerable he's the most it's part of the story of the movie where it's like he'll never hurt a fly Renton even leaves him some money because he knows he is just a victim like you were saying mm-hmm. earlier Adam like I get that vibe from this movie that mm-hmm. it is they are kind of a victim of circumstance um, over anything yeah. yeah Spud is awesome he's very innocent yeah that's what makes him that's Super expressive him, performance when he's in that room where he's doing the interview right after he took coke. One of my favorite mm-hmm. scenes. <laughs> he took speed. That was what he took in the Oh, yeah. sorry. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, you just right. like describing the scene that made me laugh because it brought me back to exactly. the Yeah, just like, the head motion <laughs> over to the, yeah. that painting on the wall and the, the, dia- the dialogue we haven't even mentioned. I love the dialogue in this movie. It's so quick and witty yes. and clearly a lot from the book. Um, yeah. Have you ever like read anything from the book? It is no, it's tough to read, man. No, <laughs> just the dialect. Did you? I assume you need subs uh, to understand mm-hmm. what they're saying a lot of the time. Um, I actually watched it without subtitles. It's not that bad. Oh, Maybe cool. a couple lines. I I kind of missed out, but for the most part, I understand it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the books are a bit tougher in terms of that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. Yeah. That dialogue is right so expressive. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like it's like reading it's like reading Clockwork Orange where they have their own language. <laughs> Pretty much. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who played Spud was in Naked. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He played the. Uh, yeah, he's a good character actor. Yeah, Archie. Mm-hmm. Archie. And I swore he was in 28 Days Later, but I guess I'm wrong. I'm looking through the IMDb right now. I thought he played... I'm he's getting in, him confused with Black another guy. There was, like, one of the soldiers that, like, hid in the cupboard or something. Maybe he just looked similar to me. Ah, whatever. I'm not going to worry about it. Tiny Bull loves, like, shit scenes, clearly. I'm glad. Poopy. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to mention the shit scene. <laughs> the scene oh, yeah. Slum- uh, now, spot, oh, spot my sheets. God. Now there's a slum. there's Slumdog also. Shit. Literally. Oh yeah, yeah. that's true. Mm-hmm. What else? It's gross. He likes gross out. I think. I think well, that's that, that just is a big part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, We're about <laughs> to like the main solve the thinking of that scene from Slumdog. Um, is there any shit scene in a? No, a, a drop of blood falls in in an eye in one of them. That's not shit. Um, <laughs> that would have been weird. Dining ball ones. <laughs> the drop of shit falls in his yeah. eye. Yeah, yeah, the <laughs> bird poop. The same like perspective camera angle following the poop down to his eye. There's no scene in like Steve Jobs. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that shit scene from Steve Jobs. <laughs> yeah, 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 Steve yeah. Jobs falls in shit. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but you remember Seth Rogen came out. He just said shit all over the place. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. What a crazy director. His name should be as popular as. Someone like I don't know Quentin Tarantino or something, you know, like he like he's yeah. not a household name, and I think he should be. No. I think he might he's, be in he's the a UK. British director, maybe he's yeah. pretty yeah. huge here. Like for the the Olympic ceremony that was here, he like directed that cool. and, like, with James Bond and the Queen and stuff. 
And actually, you could. Oh. I I really get the vibe from this movie that he he does have like a theater background, and because it's just the way the the sets are designed and everything. They're so creative, a really good creative use of lots of small spaces, small scrap cramped places, uh, lots of like interesting lights and whatnot used for contrast, and just the just every scene, like the yeah. even the clothing. It's, it's always thoughtful in in terms of how the the image is put together with the colors, just the angles of everything. It's so well shot yeah. in that way. Yeah, so much going on. There's a lot going on in the movie. I won't even say it's just about heroin addiction. Like, there's a point where they get off heroin and it becomes more of a crime film about you know them bringing a package to the dealer and, and you know getting the money. I like that they do uh, address. <laughs> that it you know and kind of like requiem for a dream although not nearly as explicitly as that movie they do kind of address the whole other people are addicts in their own way thing because begbie not just alcohol yeah. <laughs> but like violence especially like that's yeah. his fix mm-hmm. not even alcohol and then they have the line where it's like he stole the valium from his mother who is in her own domestic and socially acceptable way also a drug addict there's lots of great dialogue in yeah. this movie Mm-hmm. I understand some people get a little turned off by voiceover narration. It doesn't really bother me in this film, particularly because, you know, it's from a book. You have to communicate these thoughts somehow, right? Mm-hmm. The points where voiceover narration bothers me the most is when it's dialogue that had no reason to be voiceover narration, where we didn't get any more context or information and... You know, like it, this, you know, if, if it could have just been said to another character, but that's not the case for this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really noticed in watching T2 how the lack of the laser focus on Renton and that narration actually kind of hurts the the identity of the movie and what it's going for and that whole tone. Mm-hmm. I think it helps with the pacing a lot. He kind yeah, of massively. guides you through the story. Yeah, like, true. I feel it's essential intro. for this film. In the way Goodfellas, it's essential too. It yeah, reminds yeah, me of Goodfellas in terms of just the pacing, you know, and mm-hmm. that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this film. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what else to say aside from yeah, it's it's pretty much a masterpiece. <laughs> I'm not gonna shit on it at all. I think it's great. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there's like one part that kind of annoys me, and you call it nitpicky. That's fine. But whenever the poop scene happens, which is really funny, and I like. All I'm thinking throughout the entire time is like, does nobody have a nose? Like, all these characters should be smelling what's happening. Like, he's got it in the room with them. Like, there would be a stank. If it's liquid shit, if it's diarrhea, like, that shit smells. You know, you'd smell that way before (laughs) that reveal. So that was, I don't know. I don't get the full effect of what the scene is intending because part of my brain is like, that doesn't make sense, but I can't. Sure. Can't he also he didn't need to bring his sheets in there with him. That, yeah, <laughs> like that's a little just weird. Where it just seemed... <laughs> there are parts of this movie that are bring them a in little the kitchen, silly. But I also, it's Spud. In right? general. It's Spud, so he's dumb. Yeah. The bar fight's pretty goofy. Yeah, tons and yeah. tons about this movie is goofy. I think for the most part it succeeds. But that dreamlike kind of cartooniness does help with that kind of stuff. Because the main character, he's not, you know, he's not entirely with it. So a lot of it mm-hmm. feels yeah. like it is, it is dreamy, and it's like, uh-huh. is, is this even real? In, in some of these scenes, like it, it does seem like cartoonified at points with those like really contrasting colors and everything. It's not mm-hmm. like I, I would never describe it as realistic necessarily, mm-hmm. even I though it does handle the subject Brenton's matter very well. Perspective, 
Like it was always yeah. Renton's perspective. That's and his a good way, way to look at it. It's usually yeah, gross. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, because because a lot of his dialogue, yeah, being like this nihilistic, his attitudes of the world informed by his life as an addict and everything. Mm -hmm. mm. Well, even just like the worst toilet in Scotland, that part, like, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of over the top. It's the worst toilet. No, of like, course. You find literally, it's the most disgusting fucking yeah. toilet you can imagine. It's just, and he just so over the top, it, you know. But it's it's the story, you know. I, I don't mind that. Yeah, it works with the tone. It all feels consistent. Yeah, I think to me. so. Yeah, I was never taken out of it. I would like to mention a couple more things that I have in my notes. The line, everyone's changing, even men and women are changing. 50,000 years from now, there will be no women, just wankers. <laughs> it's pretty ahead of, yes. it, uh, ahead of its time in a way. You yeah. know, trans no, uh, issues are becoming more of a center stage thing in this year, right? Yeah. Yeah, because that, that was one of the things. I haven't seen this movie in a, in a few years. I was remembering that, and it's like a, a bit of a thing at the moment. Like all the older movies have handled these kind of subject matters with, you know, not as elegantly. But yeah, because it is at the expense of um, Begbie's character, as opposed to like the main character just mm -hmm. being just a dick, basically. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. It just makes more sense. Just the framing of it, mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like hateful or whatever. I love the core of what the movie is communicating in terms of like the struggles of especially the main character are very realistic when it's commenting, I guess, on like drug addiction and culture, because one of the hardest things to break away from if you're an addict who, let's say you you do drugs and you have a social circle that does drugs, what makes it mm -hmm. really hard for a lot of people is that if they're the one quitting and their social circle isn't, I mean, you know, like that, <laughs> that really, that really hinders someone's attempt. And yeah. that's kind of shown with, um, not just when, when they all like make an, we all made an informed decision to get back on it immediately. Like, you know, maybe one of them wouldn't if they, uh, if they didn't decide as a group, you know, they're all kind of enabling each other in that way. And then especially when mm -hmm. uh, Ewan McGregor's character is starting to move up in his life. He's got a job. He's doing well for himself. He's got his own place. He's not a junkie anymore. And then all of a sudden, these old characters, these old people that from his social circle just creep back into his life and start dragging him down. First, Big Bigbee, and then Sick Boy. And they're just like living with him and stealing his shit in a way where it's just like, damn, he's trying to climb out of this hole and they're just pulling him back in. It's really unfortunate, even if he's yeah. not necessarily on drugs at that moment in time. It's just there are some people mm -hmm. that you honestly just have to cut from your life if you want to survive, <laughs> really. And it's an unfortunate <laughs> thing yeah. to have to learn because, you know, in my mind, I want to believe that everyone is capable of being saved, that everyone if they were just told the right thing or communicated something in some way mm. that they could fix their own lives. Or if you give someone a, a raft, you know, to stop them from drowning, that they would get onto the raft and then be like, yes, I have this raft. But some people just want to fucking drown. Some people want to destroy yeah. their own lives, whether consciously or not. Some people are just looking to be someone who can complain about their life being shit and never do anything about it. Despite the, wealth of opportunities that they have to help get themselves out of that situation and it's a really sobering and shitty unfortunate thing to have to learn that i had to learn in my life but some people you just gotta fucking let go it's really sad but i think the yeah. movie kind of handled mm -hmm. that in an appropriate way 
Oh yeah, it handles that well, really yeah. well. Like it makes the whole that betrayal choice. at the end of this movie. Yeah, yeah, it feels like the whole movie is leading to that choice that he mm-hmm. he betrays his friends. Yeah, know? there's no other way of putting it. <laughs> he betrays them. He fucking takes their money, runs away. But you still support. I get him, it. Weirdly, yeah, yeah, you get it. Yeah, understand I understand it. it. And to say you understand, it's just well, you watch the whole movie and you're like, yeah, I understand why he'd do that. They're his mates, but they're also, you know, they are dragging him down. Yeah. You're right. Like mm-hmm. some, if you try to help certain people, they'll just, you know, take advantage of you, and mm-hmm. you're in a worse place because of it, and they're not helped by the end of it. Yeah, I just can't stress enough that moment works when yeah. he takes the money. It just works. You understand oh, yeah. what's happening. Great songs <laughs> playing mind, at the same and, and time too. Really helps mm-hmm. the tension. Yeah, yeah it's a very energetic despite the revelation. Yeah, just like I, I'm actually just noticing right now, just like how awesome it is to imagine like. You got this bassy kind of like boom, boom club song playing during a very tense and silent moment taking place in the universe of the film. You know, just the mm-hmm. contrast between those two things. It's like very internal. That's like a heartbeat kind of for the character. So yeah. That, yeah, that works kinda. super well. Right. That's how it serves us. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I'm just scanning my notes in case uh, there was anything else I wanted to mention. Oh, yeah. This was the first time I noticed in the... Uh, movie that uh or maybe i did another time but just didn't connect to the title but the room that he goes through withdrawal in in his parents house is there's trains all over the wall and i guess i didn't connect yeah, that the train the first paper. time yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it, but yeah not only does that work for the title but i think it also serves like a, a, a bit of an extra purpose in terms of like i guess the emotions of the, of the characters and their relationships because it is really fucking sad in a way for him to be experiencing all of that in that room because that wallpaper, whether it's trains or anything else that's like really childlike, you understand at that moment mm-hmm. that these these parents that are like so disappointed in him after that taxi ride home where they just didn't even say a word to each other after he had overdosed, after they thought he got clean again, they're at their last straw to try and help save their son. And just the visual of something so childlike, like, train wallpaper in a room like that's clearly his old room mm-hmm. from when he, when he when he was a child just imagining like he's still their little baby in a way right like what happened in between him just being an innocent child and now him being someone who's like literally dying from from heroin and just keeps overdosing and can't get his life back on track just the yeah just imagining what those parents are going through is just uh yeah yeah, lots of context from that. Yeah, that whole low point in the movie is really memorable. Yeah, yeah. that's an awesome set. Yeah, and how the how it stretches out during yeah. the scene. They just pull the bed mm-hmm. back into like a big hallway, all practically too. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah, it looks great. That baby looks pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> I, it, I don't know if it looks real, but it looks cool, and the the face on it is scary. Yeah, I think the face is creepy. It made me think of Brazil or something. Yeah, it's very. It stays with you. And the way it's edited too, like there's a flash frame of the it. The editing's You're amazing. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just that entire sequence is just so perfect because even the the song that the uh, school girl, girl character sings, you hear very faintly in the background earlier in the movie when he's mm-hmm. like laying on the couch when she told him he has to sleep on the couch and he wakes up there. It's like the exact same song. So there's like that reincorporated. You've got like all of mm-hmm. his like insecurities yeah. and fears and like spud in prison uniform just like you did this to me almost like fucking 
like ghost of christmas past or some shit i, I don't mm-hmm. know like right. <laughs> some yeah, sort yeah. of like apparition tommy like leaning against the wall yeah and mm-hmm. and even if we ignore the purposefully metaphorical nature of how danny boyle presents a film like this someone going through withdrawal symptoms can experience a lot of really terrifying hallucinations in a sort of fever dream way like your body does a lot of negative things to you and can make you in this kind of like anxiety induced hallucination sort of thing you know it's like if anybody's been really sick and had a fever dream sort of thing you know like you would probably Mm -hmm. understand what i'm talking about so it works really well and he's gone completely cold turkey hasn't he in that yeah Yeah, no methadone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just love the, you know, the justification from the parents. They're like, you t- you told, you remember, you said that uh, it just makes you worse. And so you're lying to us right now, and we're going to keep you in here. And it's like, shit, I guess they have to. Awesome movie. It is an awesome movie. Yeah. I think it's one of the best. It's definitely Danny Bull's best movie <laughs> for me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's very stylized. He's a very stylized director. Yeah, there's very little I dislike about this movie. I'm I'm pretty invigorated, actually, every time I watch it, and I can put it on at any point and enjoy it. So, I mean, th- this is a five-star for me. I, I like pretty much everything about it. Love the characters, love that music. It's just... you could, It's so memorable as well. So many great scenes. It's, like, difficult to choose, like, the best scene or the best visual metaphor or the best bit of dialogue. It's It's just amazing all around. Yeah, uh, I'd go right there with you, Alex. Five stars. I love this movie. It's very funny and it's nice. very creative. Um, nine out of ten, at least. Nice. Will it be a ten at some other point? Maybe it will. I don't know. Things change. Nine. Love it. It's up there. Iconic. Classic. Yeah, just all around really great. I guess it's time to talk about Terminator Two. Train spotting. <laughs> You'd think that the only reason to call it T2 would be to intentionally confuse people. Because Terminator yeah. 2 already has T2. There was there was one movie that people thought of when you heard the words T2, and now there's two movies? I think it's a bit of a running thing with this movie where it, it does struggle to find its identity. A That's a good bit. way to put it. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll introduce it first. Uh, sure. Yeah, T2 train spottings from 2017. It's just a follow-up, same characters 20 years later, same team, mm-hmm. Danny Boyle, John Hodge. Uh, it's based, again, on some of the stuff from Train Spotting, the book that wasn't included, as well as the book Porno, also by Irving Welsh. So, yeah, I, I'm really mixed on this movie. There's a bunch of stuff I really enjoy about it, and there's a lot of character moments I enjoy, lots of creative stuff in there, but I think overall it kind of misses for me. Mm-hmm. It, 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 I, I'm just not fully satisfied. I feel like at the beginning, I'm like really into it, but there's a huge chunk in the middle where it completely loses me and it kind of wins me back over at the end somewhat. And I'm also confused on whether my affinity for this movie is just like me being manipulated by just showing scenes and like music, the exact same music from the original. Mm-hmm. Um and just what it means and how much, because that is part of the story, they, they directly acknowledge just how similar it is, um, yeah. just in ways to the first train spotting. But I'm still trying to grapple my head around how I feel about that side of it. I've only seen this film, this is the only the second time I've seen this. Okay. Which, um, for yeah, how much I like here. the first one, it seemed, I don't know, I, I feel like I should be more into it if it was something I 
I, I enjoyed more. Yeah, I watched them back to back. So I'd say mm-hmm. Danny Boyle's direction is still very strong. I think that's one of the strongest parts of the movie. It looks pretty good. It's got a unique look yeah. too. It doesn't just look like the first one. Yeah, I think I think he really like I've never seen a sequel like it, you know? I gotta give it that. <laughs> it's very yeah. unique sequel. <laughs> it is unique. It's yeah, it's half it an hour is. longer than that first train spotting. That was what scared me, was the runtime. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm. But I actually enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. This is the first time I watched it. I was kind of postponing watching it. 2017 movie. I haven't even done my 2017 list yet. So I was like, oh, I'll just watch it then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it's very well made and was surprisingly still funny at many of the points where it tried yeah. to be funny. Yeah, and I loved yeah, the loves humor. Good humor. Really great visuals at quite a few moments. The shadow of his mother is so striking and communicates in the oh, same yeah. way that I was praising Train Spotting One, just like communicating an emotion. How do you do that? How do you how do you get a visual feel for that what you want to communicate about the me. character? There are moments of that in this film that I was just like, okay, wow, that's like a, such a great way to show that the upside down animals running projector when they're like doing uh, drugs again or whatever. Like that was an awesome visual. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot that I really like about this movie. The one thing that kind of drags it down is like the, it has this unshakable feeling of being completely unnecessary (laughs) and not fully i guess this is just another way to say the same thing it's just it doesn't realize its purpose in the same way that uh the first Mm -hmm. film does and then the i guess my you know what makes it extra silly is that it turns into kind of like a more stereotypical normal movie Plot-wise, you have an actual mm-hmm. villain. Begbie wasn't the villain in the first movie. He was a character that just got what he no. deserved. He wasn't the villain, but now he's the villain. And there's like yeah. this whole sequence at the end. It's like, that's what's being built up to, is like him that just happens to get out of jail at the same time, and then happens to blah, 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 some conveniences. And as we said, yeah, the first movie is very silly too, but I don't know if we're getting as much out of the silliness or as much you know there has to be some sort of trade-off and we don't get as much out of this movie i don't think yeah and i mentioned earlier with the the narrator and the narration aspect is i can't remember if there's any there's, there's it's definitely completely different to the first movie where it's it's renton's it's from his perspective and it's flipped in t2 where like he lies to the characters in the story and you don't know as the audience that he's lying to so he's He's being Mm -hmm. an unreliable kind of character. Mm -hmm. And it is like a spin from the first one, but it is a different vibe because every time it does get more cartoony in that first one, it it is coming from him, from his kind of mindset, from that character. His narration is like all over the place. It's clearly all coming from him, whereas T2 feels more like a novel kind of translated beat by beat to a, to a, a film or something. It's, it's more focused on the characters independently or something. It's it's just messier. It doesn't come together as cleanly. It doesn't feel as focused, as you say. And you kind of hit the nail on the head for me with Begbie. I think for me, he is what pulls this movie down a bit more than everything else. Yeah, it feels weird. Like, is that like that's the point of the movie almost? Like, that seems to be the set. Like, that was the climax. But like, what is, what is train spotting even about then if it's about like, yeah, not getting beaten up or tone. killed by a dude. I thought it was about drugs. <laughs> it gets it gets so silly with him. 
to the point where it's <laughs> like him breaking out of the hospital with the cop being nice to him and then on top of it he like goes back to his like family home or whatever and like lives there for yeah. a bit it's like that's the thing it it is funny there's definitely a lot of, of humor but it, it just doesn't and maybe this is my problem for contrasting it too much to the first one but i can't help it because the movie itself is constantly reincorporating the first even shots from the first movie like all the time yeah, it's it, the it is only a sequel, 4k it's a footage continuation. we'll get I was so mad because I'm watching a 4K oh, Blu-ray shit, yeah. of the sequel, and I'm like, We've just released one of the first one. Like, you, I see the footage yeah. right there. Like, you could edit together yeah. half of the first movie just through <laughs> clips from the second one, you know? <laughs> Fuck, someone should do that. Just change the audio. It yeah. looked great. It looked fantastic, actually. Yeah. The way they yeah, it looked, like, it looked like a proper restoration. I'm like, fuck, just release that. Yeah, they should. The Blu-ray I had of the first one didn't even have English subtitles on it. I'm like, what is this shit? You think that there would be like a special <laughs> edition or something? I don't know. Like, it's a iconic, popular, like, culture-defining movie that's been parodied, you know, many times. Yeah. You'd think that, I don't know, fucking release a 4K Blu-ray. I'm so mad. Uh, I don't know. This movie doesn't really stick with me as much. It's not as memorable. I think that's what I would criticize it for. Mm. Uh, the baby, all the stuff, him falling in the toilet, him overdosing in the carpet. There's none of that in this movie, really. Um, there's some shots I really like. I think visually it's very strong and mm. it's very creative and it's how like it presents it. I think the movie is more about um, modern day stuff. Like it's trying to have a big comment on like social media and like, I don't know, we're always recorded, stuff like that, right? Because they cut the security cameras a lot. They have another choose life speech in this, except he like talks about Twitter. <laughs> what did you guys think of the choose life speech in this one? See, I I kind of love the reincorporation of the choose life speech in this movie. Sure. It's a totally different emotion from the character in a yeah. that's just revealing something else about him. Because for, for the first part of the movie he he finds out his mum died and like there's this huge gap in his knowledge because he ran away. So it's him coming back and he's obviously going through a lot of shit at that time. And he's like caught off guard in this restaurant when he's asked like, what is choose life? And he kind of goes off into this rant. And you mentioned earlier, Adam, just with the, the imagery of like his mum missing from the table and yeah. just the way that that sequence is tied together and the way it goes from being comedy and it slowly kind of gets more and more emotionally intense as he goes into it. And just the way that sequence come together is one of the, higher points for that character in terms of what he's expressing to me yeah i would agree definitely that's a strong part of the movie yeah i i liked that scene a lot i like that part um the only mm -hmm. moments within it that i really was like eh, was kind of when they he did it sounded like a little bit preacher when he was like the social media and because you know the movie is made in 2017 mm -hmm. it's like kind of i don't know there was just a yeah. bit too much it's of that a big at part that of the time. movie i think I think it's a big. It's like the digital age. Like even the way the movie's shot, and I don't know if even it is with a the big part of the there's movie. a lot of camcorders that are like really small, and he like put it on um like a microphone. You know, like that one scene when they're singing about mm -hmm. killing Catholics. Yeah. <laughs> like there's there's stuff like that, or the low light chase sequence, like when faces. Bigby's chasing him. That yeah, yeah, there's a lot of commentary like that in the movie, and you know, even to just the look of it, it looks like a very digital film, and that's I think that's intentional. Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, it goes back to Danny Boyle's radical style. Danny, like yeah, Danny Boyle does a lot is, of digital yeah. stuff. Yeah, 
And, you know, they cut back to footage of like from the first movie and it's done in the style of like CCTV footage and they, they mm -hmm. censor their faces. They put like animated people over their faces. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's, he's going for something like that with this movie. <laughs> for Even sure. The, the way they do flashbacks <laughs> is creative. Because that, that's mm -hmm. such a like annoying trope in like sequel movies where there's like a huge chunk of time that's missed. And so it's just fill it all in with flashbacks or whatever. But it's never the main focus. It's normally relegated to kind of brief imagery that's just <laughs> sure, filling in little sure. gaps. Or, well, yeah, even the beginning I mean? of the movie starts with the last shot of Train Spotting 1. And that's a mm -hmm. great way to like tie it in. Like, okay, yeah. Especially if you're watching them back to back, right? It's like, okay, I'm actually seeing a continuation of that story. Yeah. It doesn't feel so like jarring. I, I love when ewan mcgregor falls off the person's car in this film later into the movie after he's being chased by begbie yeah and does yeah. the exact same face again and it's so good at like the the performance of just capturing that exact same expression was like hell yeah mm -hmm. like that was that was yeah. so easy to recognize and just such a perfect expression of of being able to do the exact yeah. same thing again speaking of that chase scene it was kind. It was kind of funny that he was on top of a roof being chased by Begbie, and Begbie had a knife. Because at that moment, I was like, "Well, I guess this is T two now. This does feel like Terminator." <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, there yeah, we yeah. go. <laughs> now it's T two. What did you guys think of the Iron Brew uh, tap moment? What did you think of that? Did you even know what Iron Brew is? It's the specific Iron beer brew tap moment. Or what? Beer. When is what that in the movie? <laughs> Iron Brew tap. Yeah, in the bar scene where the Renton and uh, what's his face have a fight, and he like oh, yeah. so spraying Iron Brew like the I it's like a it's, it's like oh. a Scottish like soft yeah, drink. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I assumed it was beer. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. I thought. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it was, it was I guess brew. it would be weird yeah. for it to come out of one of those nozzles. You're right. But. Yeah, and it's like orange. It's like bright orange. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting uh, flavor. That's funny. <laughs> the Scots, yeah. The, I've never had yeah. that interesting i think probably one of my favorite parts of the movie like narratively in terms of like what works for it entertainment wise i guess is the the no more catholic scene i thought that that was really funny and worked really well and when as it was setting it yeah, that's a funny scene <laughs> excuse me Ugh, as it was setting itself up i thought surely this would just be like a cringe not funny scene and like it almost seemed like a mm -hmm. bit too stereotypical of of like uh oh, this is just going for like an awkward uh we can't sing or whatever mm -hmm. but they actually handled it really well and it was kind of funny because yeah, the, the it was funny what they wound up playing a different movie would have sick boy play something more complicated and then it would be like okay well why does he know how to do this and like you know add too many chords and it's like okay well they didn't rehearse this how does that make sense but the song was kept simplistically enough and it was still catchy at the same time yeah that it made sense for what it was and i thought the humor was really funny also the the pin numbers being 1690 for all of their credit cards was pretty funny. that is a good <laughs> a good payoff yeah 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 it was great some good stuff um there's still some gross out stuff in here too which i appreciated the stuff with the strap on like they have this whole scheme oh, yeah, yeah. going with this woman mm -hmm. where she like fucks guys and they record it and like that that's the gross out stuff like you see them like bend over like shots of their ass like yeah that's what that's what i was thinking of when i thought gross out alex was that, that too puke on the face yeah inside the bag <laughs> like that was yeah that, was that too that was crazy. gross the Spud Renton dynamics one of my 
favorite things from this movie because of course Renton gives him the idea to kind of try and re-channel that addiction energy, become addicted to something else. He says, and it kind of transpires that Spud learns that he's like a writer, a good writer, and mm-hmm. it's kind of that meta thing where it's like, how do we end this story? And it's one of the it's one of the things I like most about the movie is because he is the sympathetic angle. You mm-hmm. can't not feel sorry for him. And it, mm-hmm. it is a satisfying way to conclude his character, and it makes sense, I guess, him being the one to deck Begbie at the end. But... Yeah, with a toilet. <laughs> yeah. Lots of great visuals. The story just isn't as... Uh, it's not as tight, and it's not as purposeful. And so for a movie that's two hours, it's not like it was paced terribly. I didn't feel too bored or anything. Maybe coming up to the end of the movie, I was a little zoned out. But in terms of what I retain from it after having watched it, I can name more mm. things that were in the first train spotting than I can in the second train spotting. And then you have to ask yourself, well, what happened with the extra time? <laughs> what? How does that make mm-hmm. sense? You know? Yeah. There's the vajazzle joke as well. I'm not crazy about. <laughs> um, that was like a weird dated thing. It was like a huge joke. Like in the UK for some reason. Okay, uh, <laughs> I had no idea. Like randomly shoved into this movie. Yeah, it oh, seems you... like really fucking weird that that's. You... you know what fucking sucked is the <laughs> the subtitles on the 4K Blu-ray, which is like completely international, by the way. Like it has like Cantonese subtitles, like it has every subtitle, but yeah. the English subtitles on the 4K Blu-ray they translate like cultural yeah, I noticed that. Scotlandisms, I guess, where they have, uh, mm-hmm. let's see, I wrote a couple down. Oh, that's very weird. Just a way for a slash mate got translated to just a way for a piss yep. mate. Huh? Just like the lassie <laughs> says got translated in the subtitle suit. Just like the lady says, have you knobbed her? I have knobbed <laughs> her and I'll knob her again. Got translated to fuck instead of knob. And that was kind of annoying because, like, I I would just like that's not the job of a subtitle. The subtitle is to tell me what the yeah, words that they said, not translate. Fuck that, that changes the meaning of everything. Yeah, go fuck yeah, yourself. It changes the meaning of the movie. Yeah, shit. Subtitles. It only happened like five yeah. times, I guess, but it was like, come on, really? Why? <laughs> that's weird. Yeah, yeah, that is super strange. Just do the anime thing where you have like a separate subtitle that says this is what this word means. You know. Like yeah. if someone's really confused and they don't understand the cultural context of something, that you can always give them that information. But I would like to know the what glossary, words they yeah. said, please. One of the uh, bits of conflict I do quite enjoy in T2 is when they go back to that idyllic location where their friend Tommy, like, we didn't die there, but yeah. they take his ashes there or whatever. And that they have, like, a pretty bad argument, Renton and Sick Boy, where they... They kind of hold each other accountable for their terrible actions, and it's like kind of illuminating, fun way for the the drama between them to come about. Because at first, uh, the some of sick boys boy scenes I'm not in love with in this movie. Like, um, there's one particular scene where he's he has this kind of mustache twirly like monologue he's saying mm-hmm. to. Uh, oh yeah, I can't remember her character's name. Yeah, he's like in his in the room with uh with the woman character. And he's like, I'm going to destroy his life or whatever. And it makes sense for the character. He's mad, but it's just something away that scene transpired. So it was like going just a bit too far into that cartoonish way, just like earlier in the movie where Begbie was doing the whole, you 
know, breaking out of jail thing. It's mm. just going cartoonish yeah. a step above to a point where I'm, I'm being pulled out of the movie in ways that's just, just mm-hmm. not a thing that happens in the first one. Yeah, there are some moments that just don't work well. Still, st- I surprisingly enjoyed it. I thought I was going to hate it, but at the end of the end of the day, it's still a Danny B joint. Yeah. He makes really interesting movies to look at. My biggest fucking problem with this his style in this movie that I don't have a problem with in many of the other movies is for some reason they do this linger on the single frame at the end of the shot thing about I don't know mm-hmm. a hundred times in this movie and I don't remember that they do it a lot I don't remember that happening in the first movie I do remember that happening like maybe twice in the movie Sunshine I do remember that happening maybe <laughs> like I think that happened in uh-huh. yeah I can think in twenty eight days later that happened in some of his other movies he does that. A couple times. It didn't happen in train spotting. And now in tra- T2, Terminator 2 train spotting, you're doing it like a hundred times. It happened way too many times. And it was just like, it was annoying. It was irritating after a while. Otherwise, yeah. love the style, love the visuals, love the lighting. Really improved lighting in this film, actually. That's one of the aspects I would say is improved. Yeah, the lighting was very good, actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. great lighting. If we want to do ratings, I don't know about you, but uh, I'm giving this one. A seven out of ten, closer to a six than an eight, but uh, mm. fuck it, seven out of ten. I, I, it has its issues, but at the end of the day, it's uh, Danny Boyle, I guess. <laughs> I, I'm actually, despite how negative sounding I might come across, I, I did enjoy this more the second time than I did the first. I got a lot more out of it. I, mm-hmm. I did feel satisfied th- through what the main characters go through. I did get the beats I was after. And again, that creativity, it, it, it is fun to see him go back to that, that energy from the nineties to try and recapture that. And I think he does manage it overall. It's just, yeah, you're right. It doesn't feel totally essential. And there's just some things here and there I wish could have been tightened up or maybe get that, that rundown, the uh, uh, running time a little bit down or something. Mm-hmm. But. I do like it more than I don't. I'd give it yeah. a uh, three and a half stars or seven, the same as you. Sure. Bazinga. Yeah, I still think it's a very entertaining movie. When I first saw it, I didn't like it at all. But I think that's because oh. I hadn't seen the first train spotting in like years. <laughs> now watching them back to back, I, I liked it a little more. And mm-hmm. there were things I actually remembered. Like, I didn't remember Tommy at all. Like, that I remembered. And mm. um, I'd, I'd go three out of five on it. And... Okay. That's an increase, I think, from when I saw it the first time. Cool. But yeah, it just doesn't really stick with me, but it's still an entertaining film. And it's still very funny. Acting is still very good. You know, Danny Boyle's got a very unique style Danny and B. how he directs movies. And uh, yeah, it's definitely um, interesting to look at. It's got a lot of I cool like the final stuff shot in it. And the credit sequence. Yeah, I, I do too. I love the final, how the movie ends in the train spotting room <laughs> with, the, yeah, yeah. with the wallpaper. Yeah. Um, yeah, three out of five. I would like that a bit more if I wasn't in love with the practical effects from the first movie because I, d- yeah. I don't like the symbolism of taking mm-hmm. a shot from the first movie that was done practically and then doing mm-hmm. it in CG, regardless of whether or not it would even be possible practically. Obviously, you know, that's a little bit, a little bit crazier this time. You can't really do it like yeah. that. But I, <laughs> the symbolism of that when we, you know, modernizing films and just the, the issues that we always talk mm-hmm. about on this podcast uh rubs me mm-hmm. the wrong way a little but otherwise on its own it works i guess 
Yeah, I started feeling that tinge until it was like, oh, it looks like this actual symbolism is like awesome. This is yeah. an awesome <laughs> way to start the credit yeah. sequence. Yeah. Yeah. There is more going on in this movie to make it. It's not like Space Jam and New Legacy. <laughs> There's actually story and characters what? here. It's not just making references to the first movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's it just a really good point to start a story as well. There is a lot of unsolved mystery with the yeah. characters and a lot of it yeah. baked in drama in the first one they talked about the baby they didn't know who the father was and the second one they addressed that it's actually um the, the who's the white hair guy <laughs> the guy with the white the hair the i mean they alluded yeah, to it in the first his, film without they did allude to it but in this movie they basically hammered it in okay. like hammered home yeah. like yeah he is the father uh so i thought that was good there's some things like that that are resolved the 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 girl from the first movie comes back. She has a job. Like, oh yeah, I like the lawyer scene. <laughs> oh, because she's a lawyer. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that's all good. Everybody else aged twenty years, and she aged like four years. Yeah. yeah. Well, she, Kelly McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, I guess one final thing I'll say about this: in the grand scheme of things, it's pretty fucking good for a movie that's a sequel that's made like 20 years after the first one in comparison to other movies that have done that sort of thing mm. in the past 10 years. Yeah. Because there's a bunch of those and they suck for the most part. So in, the, yeah, in that, this is a different looking level entirely. It, through that lens especially, it's pretty good. Yeah, this and Mad Max Fury Road. That's like, that's all you need to see. <laughs> if we want to call <laughs> that a sequel, genre. I guess. It's not yeah, like a direct a sequel. sequel, but anyway. Not a direct sequel, yeah. Okay, let's do a couple questions here from the Sardonicast community. Head over to the subreddit suggestion thread if you want to leave questions of your own. Let's do this one then from Crow Guys. Is there a type of film criticism that you don't consider valid or just don't feel comfortable using? Hmm, I feel like I have an answer for this, but I would have to refresh myself. I would have to think about it. I feel like I've felt that way before, but I don't know. It's almost like more of a philosophical question in ways. Yeah, it is. Because I don't know. Uh, you know what? I Maybe my answer is no, that I I think every criticism is valid. Not necessarily... Because every, every person's a different person, you know? Like, there are some things that I personally mm. wouldn't consider to be valid criticism for my own thing that might be valid criticism for somebody else, right? Yeah. I guess what I like to see least in other criticisms that I've seen are ones that kind of invalidate other people's perspectives yeah. and experiences. That's often what I fight mm. back against the most when I'm anticipating like an argument, like uh, preempting. Yeah. Usually it's against the people who inevitably just go like, oh, I can't believe you said this about, like, I can't believe you didn't like it. Like, there's unironically people that don't like that I didn't like Luca, but I wasn't incorrect about anything factually in the film. So we're really just talking about my experience, which is in my own brain. So it's really weird when you disagree with me about what's going on in my own brain. It's really weird for another <laughs> yeah. person to have absolute certainty or any kind of perceived authority over what someone else's experience should be or is. Like, that's fucking weird to me. Like, I'm sorry for not liking something that you did, but... You have to, surely you have to recognize that not everyone's brain is the same, right? I don't know. <laughs> everyone's yeah. got an opinion. Can't, yeah. can't really say it. You, you could just, at the end of the day, it's your opinion. You just say that. <laughs> right? That's just your opinion, man. When I think about <laughs> personal connections with films, the reason why they're personal is like, okay, so perhaps 
someone watching train spotting will have like personal experiences with drugs in their own life that's going to influence mm -hmm. how they feel about a film perhaps perhaps there's a person that's watching a movie that really doesn't like a certain actor that's featured prominently in the film perhaps there's yeah. a person watching a movie that has bad experiences with a type of character that maybe the film is painting as a protagonist and they just can't get behind that and they don't trust them because it reminds them of somebody else in their life you know a, a connection that you have with a film whether whether you're rating it or or just expressing how you felt about it in the story and everything that goes into it that's your personal connection so it's weird for somebody else to try to have authority over over what you experienced when films should be personal everything mm -hmm. that's happened to you up to this point in your life of you watching the film is going to influence how you feel about it so obviously a person that doesn't have a lot of experiences with one particular thing is going to view a film differently than somebody who has a lot of experiences with that particular thing if you're a musician and you watch a movie about music right and it's not necessarily about being correct or informed on certain things but having personal experiences in your life like what else is you know, like what? What is art if you're not supposed to have that happen to you? I just don't get some people. I don't know. Yeah, I, <laughs> I would never describe it that way. That there's types of film criticism I don't consider valid, even though I'm sure there are examples where th there are kind of pet peeves that that bother me. Like if you're if you're purposefully ignoring some of the artistic intent purely to like slant your reviews for some kind of like political agenda or something like that yeah that's weird that can mm -hmm. get tiring or even any kind of agenda not not even just political but then yeah. i would but at the same time i wouldn't say i would i don't want any reviews that touch politics in any way you know i, mean, I just want <laughs> interesting discussion about film to be as open as possible and i mean the the filtering system is kind of the response yeah from people out there i mean even shit that yeah. i find personally invalid i would never say is like objectively invalid because you know mm -hmm. i can't i can't possibly you know there are other perspectives of people who would say like though no, this is how film should be viewed at in a review or something or this there are people that will make the argument that like everything's political you can't escape politics you know and yeah. there's truth to that as well i've mm -hmm. got hippie brain and i think that like everything's subjective so I mean, literally, mm -hmm. you can't yeah. perceive anything in the universe without your brain and you being the subject of that. So even factual, objective things, right? Right. This is a whole other philosophical conversation, right? Yeah. <laughs> where that doesn't yeah. just relate to movies, where you know you you can debate about true objectivity and what that means am i in a simulation right now i don't know am i like an alien mm -hmm. that uh was placed onto this planet and wiped my memory like i have no way of verifying any of this right but anyway this it's a way too it's complicated so of, of a fun. conversation to just relegate it to films and i think that's part of yeah. the reason why there is such contention in this this category is because uh, i i guess people just either might think of this as too simplistically or just have different brains and not agree about it being philosophical you know i don't know i'm just rambling now what am i even saying well there was a an interesting reply on to this comment from another listener saying i feel like comparisons are mostly unfair like whiplash was good but i feel like black swan did a better job at telling the artist loses self slash sanity in pursuit of art story I want to know your guys' thoughts on well, that kind of idea. If I if I were to inject more of my hippie brain onto this conversation, you can't 
you can't think of anything without comparison because there's no point of reference to it. Our human brains are literally just like when when a part of your brain lights up and you you associate like a word right you, if let's say if let's say someone says the name ralph right i already have a, a mental image of somebody i know named ralph in my brain and that's going to influence mm-hmm. what parts of my brain light up when i hear the word ralph right or if somebody doesn't Absolutely. know a person named ralph then maybe nothing lights up in their brain right people have negative experiences for certain words for certain colors even for certain numbers you know like there there's no such thing as <laughs> not associating things with other things. You, you always have to compare. If, let's say, Tommy Wiseau's The Room was the first movie ever made and there was no <laughs> yeah, such yeah. thing as another movie, <laughs> then what? obviously people would consider it to be very different. It would be like, oh, a miracle has been presented. What is this? Images that are moving, right? Uh, this would be considered yeah. some sort of great feat. So obviously, in order to judge The Room, you have to have that in the context of, other movies existing in order to judge any Mm -hmm. film you have to have the context of other movies also exist therefore here's my perspective right the context yeah you know depending on how many movies you've seen from what genre from what time period those are going to influence how you feel about certain films you know so Mm -hmm. it's unavoidable really right but also comparing can be very helpful yeah yeah that's true did you have did either of you have anything to add to that no, I don't. I think you no, guys think nailed we went it on that one. Pretty deep. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Let's do this one from Rafianurik. What's your favorite saw trap? <laughs> what was the saw trap? None from the last one. Definitely not That's one from that. That's a idea. Damn. I really like the fer- the the merry-go-round one with the shotgun. That, that I is a good like. One. I I was thinking that in my head, but I wanted to cycle through more to see if. There were other ones, but like, it's so funny. It's so funny because yeah, all these people are like begging good. for their lives. Like, I've got a family. It's like, oh, you were so nice to me. I did everything right in the company and for you. And like, just that dynamic, like whether or not it's for humor or or if someone's taking the scene uh, unironically and just being like, oh, yeah, this this character is now forced to live with the consequences and value lives over others. Like that's funny. It's it like, it's great. And mm-hmm. it, it works mm-hmm. with the themes of like healthcare, deciding who lives and who dies, blah, blah, blah. You're just the ultimate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. End result of this uh, jigsaw mentality, blah, 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 blah. I love Saw it. Yeah. Six, that's a six great people one. on the merry-go-round. Yeah, it is a great one. It fall, it falls in line and it's just a great trap. Like the concept of it, it's very straightforward, you know? Yeah. It's hilarious. Like anyone could kind of make that. (laughs) It's hilarious how it's presented. Yeah, I don't know why, for me, one that stands out in my head is the razor wire maze. Is that from the first one? That was a short part in the first one, yeah. Hmm. I don't know why, for some reason, that one... That that one's really cemented in my mind. I think it was the moment I knew that Saw was like, oh... There's something, there's something about this that's like really alluring. Mm-hmm. There's something really fucked up and dark about this. And mm-hmm. just the whole, like, you know, the way it's implemented into the story, like you're saying with the uh, carousel one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, I think my favorite, if, if I were to go take out the humor element and, and just one that, you know, mm. is really scary to me conceptually, I think that the uh, one from Saw 1 where the guy has a match. And he's looking, there's numbers all over the wall, there's glass on the floor, and his body is coated in a flammable 
like sticky flammable material and he has to open the safe to get an antidote to cure the poison that will kill him otherwise in the amount of time that it would take to for the candle to go uh, i guess it's not a match he has like a candle that he's holding yeah. and then it, you know eventually over time the mm-hmm. candle gets down to the flammable part on his body and burns him alive i think that that's terrifying some have called that an unwinnable trap and, and it added it to like jigsaw is like oh why would he do this this is like unwinnable sort of thing like <laughs> that guy has no chance yeah, yeah. however there are, are others that have hypothesized that like if he had the candle on everything for like a bit and then blew it out that certain numbers would like glow in the dark or something like maybe mm-hmm. perhaps like that's a cool way to think about it like maybe if it was like a if it was like a digital keypad or something that he could open the lock with after but yeah like that that just conceptually is like oh that's awful yeah i need to rewatch mm-hmm. that first saw movie it's been a long time it's dank there's a 4k now yeah the reverse bear trap is good yeah bear trap is pretty iconic you don't see it acted out in um, saw the first one. Seven? In saw seven you do you yeah. do it's against it's against uh, jigsaw's wife Hell yeah. That excellent actress. That's right. <laughs> the best actor. You see her jaw ripped open. <laughs> the most pretty beloved cool, character. It's pretty cool trap. Yeah. Up there with the journalist character. Let's do this one from Doo-Wop Cartoons. Do you think we'll need to reevaluate Pixar as a generic animation studio that go... Wait, sorry, this is weirdly written. Already done it. Elevated to an unreasonable standard uh, due to having... Five once-in-a-generation group of directors, John Laster, Brad Bird, Pete Docter, Andrew Stanton, and Lee Uncritch. All the best Pixar mm-hmm. movies were made by those five guys who collaborated with each other, and all the bad ones, aside from Cars 2, were not made by them. I get the impression Pixar movies will start being more boring and lackluster going off their next two projects, Turning Red and Lightyear, which look like spoofs of Pixar movies, as those guys seem to be retiring. Yeah, those guys are gone. Did you see the trailer for their latest? It's turning red. I did. Thing? It's I like did not Canadian see or red. something now. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah, it's set in it's set in uh, Ontario, Canada. Oh, they just pick a setting and a culture, and then throw in some fish yeah. people or something. <laughs> what they do this time? <laughs> well, yeah, what do they turn into? This time it's a panda thing. When she gets, I guess, embarrassed. That would be it. Yeah, that makes sense. Turning red when she gets embarrassed. She turns into a big, floofy, I don't know, like, neighbor Totoro kind of character that's red. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, oops, she's big and floofy. Who knows? I didn't, I wasn't actually, like, that disgusted by the trailer or anything. I didn't look at that and be like, oh, come on, here we go, Pixar. Like, I'll see how it is when there's more footage or what the movie's like. I don't yeah. know. It It really just, they didn't show enough of it for me to be able to get a firm grasp of what the movie would be like it was just one moment just one scene so yeah it's the, it's the concepts that i'm really allured in by by them and that yeah turning red isn't that yeah, it's <laughs> interesting not that to me on that <laughs> yeah. level and the same with light year you know and the, the same with luca for me i know lots of people love uh-huh. it but it wasn't really yeah. my cup of tea Even for them after mm-hmm. exactly maybe they're just not for me anymore they're going for yeah. a different maybe it's shifted kind of to the next generation it's yeah, it totally shifted. But you know, it is kind of a generic, and that's how they feel. I wish they would take some time and and work on them, because Pixar did have that reputation of making just fucking excellent movies. Mm-hmm. The, those Toy Story movies are fantastic. Even the fourth one, which I said I would never watch, I like the fourth one. <laughs> I like it just fine. Um, that's 
you know, I don't I don't know what they're doing anymore. It's just like all the all the passion is gone. It is just like a um like an assembly line kind of mm-hmm. machine producing animated movies every year. Mm-hmm. And every year they win the Oscar and it's gotten kind of boring. I mean, it's been two decades of like the same shit. Yeah, and a lot of them are yeah. just working for regular Disney animation now anyway. Where it's like, why even yeah, have the two separate that, brands? You know, Pixar, it's like Pixar and then like Disney, right. and it's like, okay, well, one of them is making yeah. Zootopia. Pixar used to be unique. They used to actually be like the only game in town, and DreamWorks. They changed the industry. You have anyway. Disney Animation right next to them is Pixar. Like you have the same, yeah, they're owned by Disney. P- Pixar is responsible for movies. the death of Western 2D animation. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> it's like 100%. And, you know, like even the animated movies that Disney's making, sometimes they're better than the Pixar movies. Like I like Zootopia. I like Tangled a lot. I think Tangled is much better than most of what uh pixar has produced for like the past 10 oh. years <laughs> which is crazy yeah, like the lego movie or like spider-verse yeah, other, it's coming up other places now i don't think i have unrealistic expectations for them at all i i i've been saying this shit since i don't know toy story 3 like, it's been like a good 10 years where i felt <laughs> this way and it seems like other people are catching up yeah. now i don't know so this is yeah. old news to me they can make great movies they need to take their time and have a good idea <laughs> like and don't just keep pumping them out every year because that's what it is it's like they just yeah. pump one out a year to win an oscar keep people employed <laughs> it's fucked up it's it's art i want to see like they made they made a monsters inc show now like on disney mm-hmm. plus with yeah, like I Mike. Saw the trailer it's like what i don't want to <laughs> monsters inc used to mean something monsters inc used to be worth something <laughs> yeah mm. well, it's like a buzz Lightyear movie and shit like whatever dude. yeah whatever Buzz Lightyear, like I don't know if I even want to see that. I'd rather see Toy Story Five with no Tim. Probably Allen. Will. Yeah, why they get rid of Tim Allen? I don't know. He's problematic oh, or something. He's a, yeah, he's problematic. I mean, he kind of is. <laughs> yeah. Coke dealer, Still, it's Buzz Lightyear. I mean, I can't really. Yeah, think of I wouldn't want to recast him. You're right. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't want to recast right. him. It's perfect. Keep the tool time. <laughs> yeah, he is <laughs> for sure. God, I love yeah. him. <laughs> okay, let's do this one from Jen Rao. Train Spotting is a film that is deeply loved in Scotland and considered quintessentially Scottish. What films would you say are deeply loved and deeply ingrained with each of your individual cultures? So English, Canadian, and American. I would say Italian more so. Like Godfather. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Not yeah. Tenet? That's ingrained. Tenet for America? Nah. <laughs> Chris Nolan's British, right? I know. So I wouldn't say him as American. I'd say anything Tarantino. Mm. Hmm. What's the most America movie? How about Team America World Police? That's what I would pick for Ralph. <laughs> yeah. I'd say Top Gun. Borat. You want an American yeah. movie, watch Top Gun. <laughs> Borat. <laughs> Borat's like cynical. Hmm. What's it's the most Canadian movie? Or what's one that's even celebrated in Canada? Like, do we have a thing? You have Kenny and Spenny. Oh yeah, Surely, like there was um, uh, Scott Pilgrim. There's like some there's some universally recognized Canadian properties. I think a lot of them were like television though. So like Trailer Park Boys is a big Canada thing. There's a movie oh, called yeah, yeah. Fubar that I never watched, and it had a sequel. And I think that was supposed to be like a really Canadian thing. I'd have to watch it, I guess. Yeah. No fucking wonder. Like I'm just looking at, at this. It's like <laughs> four point one thousand ratings on. IMDb. It's like nobody's heard of this. Like obviously, it's a Canadian thing. <laughs> like, there's some things that just don't escape Canada. But with Trailer Park Boys, it's on the U.S. Netflix now, so it's being rediscovered again, which is nice. Trailer Park Boys is a big here. Yeah, 
yeah like it that. wasn't for i mean the first 10 15 years or whatever and then yeah wow really that's crazy yeah it's been going on a long time and then like i think five years ago america was like oh shit trailer park boys because it's on netflix mm-hmm. now it got its audience yeah that's cool yeah i see okay. it everywhere that's crazy how a show could go on for 10 years like no one watches it <laughs> i mean canada watched it but we're like nobody so. yeah like barely nobody <laughs> but now like oh shit there's 10 seasons of this show i love like you know and they just watch the whole thing i think that's awesome yeah for shows iconic shows for america American Idol. <laughs> yeah, reality <laughs> television in general. <laughs> reality television. I would say that is quintessential America. Reality television. Yeah. You need to watch that. Mystery or Diners. Sports, you know. <laughs> Charles Stiles. Storage Wars. Mystery Diners is fake as shit, so don't watch that. Watch. Well, they're <laughs> all perfect. Fake. They're all fake in some way. What about you, Alex? Do you have like Love Island over there? No, as far yeah, as Love films Island. go, um, James Bond, surely. England, just any of the I guess so, yeah. or something like that. And then yeah. like Doctor Who or whatever. Shaun of the Dead actually is quite a good one. Um, I, I remember when that mm-hmm. film was coming out and how it kind of exploded and just really connected with everyone, not just Brits to be honest, but it True. is deeply British. It's, like, it's set in London. Yeah. It's got like the whole cast of like just every character actor yeah. <laughs> from London yeah. from that time in it. I mean, yeah, great shit. Let's end on this one from Goosey McGooseface 2. Did the train spotting movies make you want to come to Scotland? Where would you want to go if you did? Love from Scotland, laddies. Yeah. Yeah, I want to, I want to visit the worst toilet. And I don't want to go to that bar where they get mugged. I don't think it really painted Scotland in a great light. <laughs> there, were, there were no tourist attraction parts. It paints the outdoors nicely. Yeah. 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 When he decides he wants to go on a hike and nobody else goes with him, and they just talk and they're yeah, sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I would like to visit the UK at some point, regardless. I don't know. I would just. I would like sure. to see the different things, if there's things there. I guess Scottish hills. Yeah. Yeah, I've never made my way to Scotland. I, I would like it. to go. Well, I just whenever I want to go somewhere, I want to go somewhere warmer. And Scotland's cold. Yeah, I'll go to Scotland one day. Yeah. They better not rob me like they did in train spotting. <laughs> yeah, well, if you stand out like that. <laughs> yeah, excuse me, man. Use your bathroom, please. Yeah, that's a funny scene. That'll, that'll be me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, I guess that's it for questions. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, we did it. There's a recommendation, and technically it's my turn, but I asked Ralph if we could trade because what I want to recommend is something that is long. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're recording the next episode a week early because of a scheduling thing. So I would we should, should probably just do a regular length movie or whatever. So I'm swapping uh-huh. with Ralph. I'll recommend uh, the episode after. Okay, cool. So cool. I'll recommend... I got a few things here. I was thinking Terminator, but we just did T2. Yeah, t- <laughs> yeah we just t- did Terminator 2. Yeah, we just did Terminator 2. I'm going to do The Wrestler. The Wrestler from the year. Okay, cool. 2008, directed by Darren Aronofsky. I think we should watch awesome. that. Yeah, it's been yeah. a while. So check yeah, that, that out. That is far enough back for me that this would be a fresh experience. Yeah. 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 Awesome. yeah. Okay, awesome. Cool. If you don't want to be spoiled for The Rassler, directed by, by uh, Darren Aronofsky, <laughs> check it out before the next episode. These episodes are published every two weeks. You can get them early as they're edited, if you sign up for premium at sardonicast.com, it's only $2 a month. 
Also, patreon.com slash sardonicast. You ever listen to those podcasts that, like, every podcast, and they're like, yo, try this stupid piece of earbuds that we don't actually like, or try this stupid VPN that nobody cares about. Well, we didn't do that, mm-hmm. so give us money on Patreon <laughs> instead. Thank you, and we got merch, I guess. Have yeah. a happy Shrek and choose life. Thanks for listening, choose everybody. Life. Choose life. Life. Choose it's life. shite being Scottish. Right. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Bye. You know, I just want to mention, I discovered, like, uh, so this is another, like, British thing. Do like, you want this in the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what, I guess we it? can just include it. Oh, it's a uh, lieutenant. I was watching, like, 1917. They say lieutenant. And, like, Br- like oh, British yeah. people say lieutenant. And apparently that's a thing. Yeah. Is that a thing, Alex? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it is. is. They say lieutenant <laughs> instead of lieutenant. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you I'm should. Like, why um... why lieutenant? <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's Jaguar. American spelling too. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's. I think it's just a British thing. And there's no like right tenant. What's left tenant? Yeah, Dude, I ain't got any answers for you. I'm afraid. Left tenant is the inverse version of Christopher Nolan's film Tenet. Tenet. It's the mirror version. <laughs> left tenant. Yeah. All right. Happy Shrek. Choose life, everybody. Bye bye. Sorry for the fake. Yeah. Okay, choose bye-bye. life. Sorry about. Bye bye. <laughs> Sorry.